This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on it so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. Let me uh, clean the lenses. Do a little zhuzh. They're so dirty, can you tell? No, Well, mine are always filthy, so I feel like I can't really judge yours. I really do need new lenses. I mean, these glasses, I like them, and I feel like people know me for these glasses at this point, but we gotta we gotta change it up a little bit my fingerprints are like stained into it basically <laughs> are they like bent at all mine always end up being like slightly crooked yeah oh i thought oh actually it drives I, me crazy. I think my ears are crooked Be- mine mine are off too i think that's like a very normal thing because mine are off as well i i always look just disheveled like I'm, like i'm a mess like it but- always looks like someone hit you in the face yeah. like not you i just no. mean like when you're gl- you're right you're right crooked. every and but my i think it's my face's fault not my glasses fault because every time i put glasses on I'm like, why are my glasses like yeah. that? <laughs> Mine do the same where one eyebrow's lower. It, it, I think it's at yours. Also, I have, like off. I don't have a lazy eye, but I have a lazy eyelid. And so like, oh, it's, we call it the Schultz eye because everyone on my dad's side has this problem. Oh, but that happens with my left eye. Like, remember when I wake up and I can't open this eye? That's me with this eye. I, I literally yeah. can't open this eye for like 10 minutes. And for the rest of the day, I mean just naturally if you ever see me smile this eye's always more closed and yes mine too so Why, weird wait, we've talked about this because we call it the kaiser eye so clearly <sighs> it's a it's a commonality I, between our families i like that eye as in kaiser that's more fun than oh the kaiser eye. eye yeah i never thought about that the kaiser eyeser you know yeah, sometimes when you do those like flip photos, like on TikTok, oh. or whatever, my eye, I'm like, why is one of my eyes like giant? Because I don't, I'm not used to it, and it's like, oh my god, I look like a freak. Uh, I feel the same way. I refuse anytime I have to reverse a picture. I'm like, I'm gonna fucking hate how this it's, goes. It's the worst. It's awful. I'm like, I'm the ugliest person that ever lived. I think the same way. <laughs> anyway, welcome to that's why we drank. Just a pair of two <laughs> ugly people with weird fucking eyes. Just oh no, you know the truth. We're actually really ugly. Uh, everyone's like. Yeah, we know. So okay, we follow why you on you Instagram. Have a voice for radio. <laughs> that's what they say. I always thought that was a compliment until I learned English better and went, "Oh, that's not very nice." Uh, well, welcome to, and that's why we drink. We are really attractive radio hosts mm. here to entertain you with some stories yep. of the macabre. Oh, Christine, <laughs> you are doing something different with your voice lately, and I am not. A, I'm not against it. It's probably that I don't sleep much and then I drink too much coffee. But, you know, if it's working. 
it's working. I'll stick with it. Yeah, keep not sleeping. We'll just see what happens. Okay. Yeah. It's not going to be hard, <laughs> but thank you. How, how are you, Christine? <laughs> oh, I'm good. I'm lovely, Em. Uh, I'm wearing my uh, vintage thing that I bought at a thrift store with Eva in Austin, Texas. It's a dinosaur t-shirt. Oh, nice. It makes me really happy. I just rediscovered it. How are you? Good. I'm wearing a shirt about blizzards. So yes. we are wearing... From 1993, right? From 93. I survived... The blizzard of 93. Were you alive yet? Yes, you were born born in 92. 92. I don't know. You're always talking about how youthful you are. It didn't take much to survive it because I was a baby. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Or it took everything to survive it because you couldn't take care of yourself and had to depend on everyone else. But that's true. Very impressive either way. Uh, Why do you drink this week, Christine? Well, um, I drink because I'm so thankful that everybody else understands my face washing struggles. I saw that. I'm glad that they feel it too. It, it, I knew it would. I knew. I was like, I feel like other people have to have the, this problem. Everybody, like estheticians, so many people reached out and are like, oh my God, this is like the worst part of skincare is washing your face. And then Emothy sent me like a video of them washing their face to be like, here, this is how you wash your face. And it was very like, you looked very annoyed. And I was like, I didn't tell you to make this video. I had just M. woken up as it's, I was in the middle of wiping off my sleep skin. So yeah, I'm going to You literally be a looked at annoyed. the camera and you went here and like put it down and wash your face. I was like, what am I getting in the morning? What is this? Why are you sending me this so angrily? And also, by the way, it wasn't this is how you wash your face. This is how I wash my face. Because I'm oh, sh- no, I know. I'm sure you I'm basically not doing like, this is how one does it properly. But like literally and put dial soap all over their face, like hand soap. And I was like, this I know is incorrect. And guess okay? what I said? I, what did I say in the video? I said, I know this isn't right, but it's all I've got right now. So just I just want to clarify because a lot of people were like, I can't believe you guys put hands. I was like, I don't put hand soap on my face. Just to clarify, that's M's doing. Um, it's all that's I have facial, facial cleanser. I just don't properly use it. But and then you grabbed a hand towel, put that on your face. I was like, I feel like all of this is just. A hand to dry your face? Are you not supposed to blot your face with a nice dry towel? Well, but everyone puts their hands on that. Don't you have like a washcloth? That was a cl- that was a clean one from the laundry. I should oh, have okay, given okay. you context. Whew, I was like, that looks like you just took it off the public apartment bathroom and put it all over your face. Oh my god! I had, but okay, it had felt, also just been hung up. Like it had just been hung up, so I didn't. Okay, care. that made me feel a little better then. But um, yeah, I've I've uh, a lot of people say they do the sweatband method. They actually sell uh scrunchies that like terry cloth scrunchies to absorb water but also i will say like thank you for sending me that but i will say i understand the difference here which is that i feel like you'd kind of like blot water on your face but like i feel like i need to like like wash i'm more about this i'm more about the um I don't know. I well, I also thought that my face is a, really close to the sink the whole time, so maybe that's what's keeping the water from getting everywhere else. Like I really like kind of throw my face pretty close to the faucet. And I feel like maybe there's like a pool for you because maybe you're like higher up and like just whacking yourself with use water. More water. Maybe. I def I don't know. I have no idea. Wait, isn't there still a film of soap on your face after you do that? Like it looks no, still- it was it was it was pretty cleaned off. I I really am like so gross about texture. So if anything felt soapy or slippery okay. or anything, it would have I would have washed it off. Okay. Well, anyway, thank you for clarifying and thank you everyone for coming to my rescue. I'm glad it's not just me. Uh, the monsoon thing. A lot of people have resonated with a lot of people. Well, since you um, mentioned it, I have been 
I've been getting like TikTok algorithm Uh videos. Have you? Yeah, there's TikToks. uh, Yeah, there's TikToks about, well, I mean, I always got those because I was like, clearly this is a problem I've dealt with my whole life. I hadn't gotten it until we had that discussion. And all of a sudden, all of these videos on my TikTok were people talking about how they put scrunchies on to wash their face. And when you mentioned it, I had never heard of anyone doing that before. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's I opened the floodgates quite literally, (laughs) not even just metaphorically. Um, so anyway, I'm very thankful. Mm-hmm. Now, can I, okay, I don't know how the smoothest way to transition into this, but Emma and I wanted to take a brief moment, or do you want to say why you drink first before I get into the heavy stuff? Uh, no, let's just say this is also why I drink this. Okay. I mean, this thing. is primarily, yeah, this is like the real reason I think pretty much everyone yeah. who listens is drinking, but we did want to take a moment to address what's been going on, the, the shooting in Atlanta. And, you know, a couple people were wondering, like, why didn't you say anything? And I just want to point out, like, I was traveling, we didn't record last week. So there was kind of a gap where we were off the air for yeah. the first time in a long time. Um, And so I, I want to point out that was not an intentional, like, ignoring the situation we just didn't record our episode was like you know from two years ago but we did want to say something i know it's a little late now but it's going to be hopefully relevant uh after this stops quote unquote trending but so you know we're podcasters we have a platform i think i as a true crime podcaster can't just brush something like this aside even if we do consider ourselves like entertainers uh and so you know obviously we want to we want to talk about it i mean i typically do try to Uh, make a concerted effort to bring in more stories that are diversified because a lot of times stories about crimes against people of color like showcase the inequality uh, the way police and media and podcasts handle you know crimes against white folks versus people of color Mm -hmm. and now this is just becoming more and more to the forefront so I'm going to personally at least commit to continuing to do that and making it you know more of part of our weekly broadcast that that's brought up even once this falls off the media what do you, whatever you call it the media once it's not topical focus. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and i know that's easier said than done but i i want you guys to keep me accountable for that you don't have to keep me accountable i have to keep myself accountable but feel free to obviously call me out if that's something that kind of ever trails off or I forget about. Uh, I do want to also add some links in the show notes of places that I've found particularly helpful to kind of learn more, to get involved. Um, There are quite a few funds set up to help support victims' families. There are fund efforts to combat hate crimes and increase protection security for AAPI communities. And like normally this is not something I would want to discuss, but there have been people reaching out asking like what specifically have I done uh, to help. And I want to like assure you, this is very close to my heart. And I take all of this very personally and seriously. I've personally donated to the Asian Americans Advancing Justice Fund in Atlanta, which is doing a great job, a great thing for the local community, as well as the community action fund set up by hate is a virus. And like, obviously, donating is just one little drop in the bucket compared to the whole bigger picture in general, mm. um, which again, is why I'm hoping to keep the conversation going long into the show. And uh, finally, one site that I personally really am excited about that exists and I didn't know existed and that I've bookmarked and I recommend you bookmark is called StopAAPIHate.com. And that's where you can like personally report any hate incidents you see or come across. Um, There's obviously, as probably most of us know, there's been a spike in anti-AAPI hate incidents, xenophobia, etc. during COVID-19. And so if you are able to you know, if you do witness something, I urge you to report it there. If you can monetarily contribute, great. Otherwise, you know, there are other ways you can commit your energy and time and 
you know, learn more and we'll put all that info in the show notes. Damn, I could have not said any <sighs> of that better than my- we okay. I, saw I wasn't breathing. Wow, no, that was amazing. I was so nervous. I was like, I wanna say no, that I wanna was make great. sure I cover everything. I wanna make sure, you know, I I'm as upfront and open and we we talked uh, before the episode of like yeah we should definitely you know discuss this before the before we get into our stories and christine was like oh i already have something totally prepared so i was like <laughs> shit okay great that's perfect <laughs> well i felt i part of me you know sometimes i try to wing it or we not this but you know we try to wing like discussions and then every time without fail afterwards we're like oh shit we should have said blank or we should have brought up blank and it's just without fail where we get derailed and forget something so i want to make sure i covered all the no, it's a, it's a huge, important situation. I mean, well it done. Is. I just wasn't expecting it to be that perfectly. <laughs> it's like it's on. like a third of my entire notes today are just wow. on that topic. Okay. Well, it's important. So, I mean, well it done. It is. It's it's dar- deeply important. Obviously, true crime related, and true crime, you know, is one of those kind of controversial things because it's not just because it's you know it's entertainment. It's like we get paid to do this and talk about kind of fucked up stories. And so they're even though it's like, oh, well, it's just entertainment. Like, n- I don't see it that way. I feel like if you are broadcasting to a large number of people and you have a platform, especially telling real life stories about people's lives and people's families and victims, then you have you're basically a journalist in a way you're telling. I mean, that's what I learned in journalism school is like if you are sharing on a platform real information that is basically all you need to be labeled a journalist. So I think um, I take it very seriously, making sure, you know, we're very transparent and upfront. Um, And I I felt really like kind of stuck because for the last week, uh, I've gotten a lot of tags and messages being like, why aren't you saying anything? And I was like, you know, there's only so much you can post on Instagram without like, looking like you're performative or something. Yeah, exactly. And like, I don't, personally i don't want to just keep posting on instagram it does it doesn't feel like how i'm yeah it's different like i'm contributing as much well it's also it's weird because to post something on instagram feels performative but it also lets people know that you're aware of the situation and taking care of it but then the things you're doing behind the scenes to actually be of help no one's noticing and for some reason right and it's you know i don't want to get on and be like you have no idea what i'm doing behind you know it's not a defensive thing sometimes an instagram pick post like means sure. more to people just because they at least know that you're aware they can and, see yes and so precisely. It, it is a weird dance that we do but no it, yeah it's an important topic we are contributing and taking it very seriously and you're right yeah. that we are essentially whether or not we totally meant to be journalists mm-hmm. and that right. we're reporting on something we're reporting on really dark stuff where there are victims like we hold and, people's like stories and lives in our hands basically yeah oh yeah and there's there's people out there you know families who Mm-hmm. have to deal with us talking about this kind of stuff so hopefully yeah. we are seen as being take as taking it seriously if we yeah. ever crack jokes hopefully no one thinks it's at the expense of an actual person you know yes yes like in, on any day under any circumstances that's really is the farthest thing from what we want to do and you know as much as like I said, I I don't normally go around saying, oh, this is what I'm doing to, but I just want to, I basically just want to assure you, anybody who's wondering that like, we do, we are, we care, deeply, we care a lot. Yes. Um, and it's something I've been, you know, just with my friends and family who were affected by this have been just very heartbroken. And um, it's been a tough couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> 
in the world <laughs> for everybody, but obviously for... And also, um, this is a time maybe to... I know at the same time we're saying, don't worry, we are aware of what's going on and we do care mm-hmm. and we it feels like... Not only does it feel right to say something, but it would feel very wrong to not say something. Yes. But this is also a time to, at the same time, thank people for wanting to hold us accountable just yes. in case because you didn't... You, you don't know what we're up to. I mean, for all you know, the, you yes. know... We're just kind of dancing around with a podcast and not taking anything and seriously. So yeah, so thank completely. you for reaching out and asking what we're doing. Or yes. I I know a lot of times, anytime I do post something, a lot of times, anytime, yikes. Uh, <laughs> but whenever I do post something on Instagram, even though that's not exactly the way I would, that's not where like my action ends. But I right, do right, appreciate right. that people reach out and say thank you for posting this. It is encouraging to know that I'm yes. I'm doing the right thing or I'm making people feel seen. So. On the same coin, thank you for letting us know, but also you got nothing to worry about. We are on it. Yes. And um, feel free, you know, if there is something we're missing, obviously we are two white people. And if there, obviously we don't have that, these kind of experiences. So if there's something where you're like, hey, maybe they should know about this, that, or the other, or they should approach this differently, like, please let us know. Um, I'm here to learn and educate myself. We love uh helpful criticism like on- yes. honest educational criticism so we want to be the best we can so yes and this podcast has definitely taught us a lot over the years just in general like i feel like i'm a completely different person the way i approach hands down these topics and yeah. I really like think about terminology think about our place in the world and mm-hmm. our privilege yeah mm-hmm. completely um so i just i'm always really thankful that like we have this platform it comes with a lot of like pressure and responsibility but also i'm like really thankful that we're in this position and and that you that you and i are both like on the same page you know i feel like it's i don't know i'm just thankful that uh i don't know no. i just love you that's all oh what a twist <laughs> i, just, I love I'm you so too. thankful that like you and i are like totally on a team with this kind of thing and we're well i think this is not to like I mean, I guess that it feels kind of weird that we're turning it into us, but I, this is another opportunity to say, like, I've listened back to our older episodes and I definitely see a change in us. Yes. So hopefully we're also changing perspectives for other people. Yes. Yes. That's a good point too. On many different platforms as we've, as we, you've maybe learned, some people might've learned alongside us as we learned. Right. Um, which is kind of a fun, I mean, I learned, you know, for example, M went to clown college as you learned it with me. And so I hope <laughs> to think there are other bigger issues in the world that we've all learned together. Like, and, like our privilege and our place in the world right. and how we can like help others. The important and... stuff. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, a, it's a so. wide gamut of the things we have all learned <laughs> together. Like one end is sassy and the other end is like, major world epidemics but you know (laughs) but anyway we uh we hope everybody that has been affected by this we hope that you're doing okay and if there's anything else we can do to help or organizations we don't know about that you would like us to to make aware to other people yes definitely let us know yes and in the meantime we're learning and we're educating ourselves and uh doing what we can and we'll put all the links in the show notes if anybody else wants to check them out or you know see how you can help well said, Christine, with your little well said, speech earlier. You. you did a great job. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like I was giving like a school presentation because I realized halfway through I wasn't breathing, but I was like, if I breathe now, I'm going to go, <gasps> yeah. and it's going to be like, so awkward. <laughs> no worries. So. I it, it, I appreciate it. Also, this is a complete 
sharp left turn. 180. Um, But just so everybody knows, because this comes out at the end of March, and mm-hmm. I know last year we requested everybody to remind us around uh-huh. April Fool's Day that <laughs> yes. we should do something, because only our, like our first year on the podcast, we took it seriously, and it was such a great episode, and then we completely neglected it for the next well, few years. Well, last year we did all those uh, secret creepy messages and people still to this day are like what are these scary ghosts in the background (laughs) i will say that one was less fun than having other people record our episode for us well we got to watch bob's burgers and eat pizza so yeah i think anything that's not that is less fun but let's just say that in a couple days we did come out with a, an idea for an April Fool's episode. We're prepared this time for once. And we already we already recorded it. It is a, a great a great gig. So if you would like to hop on and actually see Oof. us celebrate uh the the beginning of April, you know, go check it out. If you want to see the ultimate fools celebrating April 1st, you can watch us. <laughs> also, April 1st, we're going to do uh, an Instagram live. Oh yes, uh, for a special people. Instagram live. We we've I know a lot of people have been wondering where our instagram lives went because we were doing those at the beginning of the pandemic and so since we're calling april fools a holiday we're gonna give you an instagram live so go be on instagram all day and wait for our call yes wait for our siren call we are very excited about the april 1st episode it's like totally different and new and exciting and we just can't wait for you to hear it so yeah check it out by now you've probably heard about burrow a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs durable materials and details that make life in your space easier last year they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line which i love and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection for example dunes offers seating dining and lounger options while scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric and i think i'm gonna get two of those for the balcony blaze and i love to sit out there in the evenings after leona goes to bed and i love the idea of having a good looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside made of durable materials made for all seasons weather resistant teak stainless alloy and quick dry stain resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly this is the perfect thing for your outdoor space they also just launched a new standing desk co-pilot with adjustable height a durable scratch resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever i'm in the market for a new desk um so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark and of course there's burrow's legacy seating collections like the nomad and range now available in new colors and m and i that's like the only piece of furniture i think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department Love that thing. And that's why we drink listeners can get 15% off their first order at burrow.com slash drink. That's burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash drink for 15% off. Burrow.com slash drink. Daylight saving time is starting up again. It may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why 4 out of 5 employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Okay, so I have a story I think you'll like, Miss Christine. 
I better like it. Uh, I hope you like it. <laughs> I'm I, sure I will love it. I like it. Uh, I think the person involved didn't like it though. Uh, no. This is the this is an alien abduction case. <gasps> um, I'm scared already. And I gotta say, this was probably some of the easiest research I've ever done because I can only find one article about it. Um, <laughs> it's like it's like a good and a bad thing because it's like, oh, it's all right here for me, but also like <laughs> this is it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like usually I I'm, I'm using at least like 15 links or 15 yeah. sites to like really compile it all together. But yeah, this is one. Luckily, one very long article. Okay, and also super lucky probably the luckiest i've ever been because in terms of there only being one article uh this was written by a reporter taking the actual story from that person so it's it's pretty much a direct source or like one one removed from a direct source so (gasps) okay i'm excited so the only link that i could the only link that is out there happened to be on mysterious universe so that is where i got this all from you could pretty much go to the website and look up the article yourself and i want to apologize now that because this information only came from one place it's pretty much a direct read of the article so i just want to give it credit i tried to you know paraphrase it and and make it more my own but you're going to be able to see the exact points of the article uh if you were to look back on it so Anyway, so this is Mysterious Universe, and apparently the person who wrote this was contacted by the abductee herself because she wanted her story told. So Mm -hmm. uh, this is basically a whole synopsis of her experiences. Her name was Laura Clark, by the way. So Laura Clark, if you are listening, I hope I do you justice. Uh, If not, please don't be mad at me. I tried my best. And also correct me if you'd like. So Laura Clark was born in Fayetteville, Arkansas, which, by the way, is home to the Duggars. Um, oh, <laughs> wow. How special. I was suckered in from sentence one. I was like, oh, let's yeah. go. This You were like, okay, picked my next topic. Don't even know what it is. <laughs> also, Laura Clark, if you know the Duggars, please email us as well. Oh, God. So, uh, yes, born in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and she moved around a lot uh, because her dad was in the army, but it was her, her mom or dad, and her sister, Barbara. And this happened, or began in the 60s. So they finally landed on a place in Alaska. I think it was Fairbanks, Alaska, or it could have been Anchorage. I kind of got confused in the article, but there's like, I think like a six hour difference between the two places. So I'm not sure which one it is. But uh, it was in Alaska in 1963. And Laura's first experience was when her mom, oh, she was five, by the way, Laura was five. And her mom was tucking her and her sister Barbara into their beds. And they uh, shared a room, just in case that's important. So Barbara and Laura were being put to bed. And this was Laura's first supernatural experience. I just want to say now a lot of this, there are direct quotes from her. So I tried to, instead of giving you like big blocks of quotes, I tried to just kind of paraphrase what Mm. she said. But Again, if you check the article, you will be able to see pretty much all this in quote format. So her mom walks away, uh, you know, leaves the room. And Laura remembers being the only one awake and hearing someone in the hall. And she thought it was her mom. Mm. Then she re- remembers that the door opened or the a light shone, shined through the room. And she saw, quote, several small, thin, light gray people with no. large blank uh, not blank, with large black slanted eyes staring into my room. No, thanks. I'm not interested. 
she said, I was surprised and just stared back at them. Which, like, yeah, what else do you fucking do? (laughs) And you're five, too, so it's almost like you don't know much of the world yet anyway. It's not like you even have a comprehension of... yeah. This is an alien. This is wrong. <laughs> it's like, why are you opening my door when you should be my mom? <laughs> Where's mom? Yeah. Oh. Also, this was, uh, I don't know if this is, this was written in at all to say anything about like how skeptics would feel about it, but it is interesting to note that only two years earlier was the Barney and Betty Hill uh, alien abduction story. Oh, yeah. Which, for those of you who are interested, I covered that in episode 49. That was like the first like famous famous case in the in america i think i remember that they were the first people i think to mention grays gray aliens so some people could say like oh well that only happened two years earlier you're five maybe that like you're putting it in your own imagination or something whatever whatever i'm gonna go off of the fact that laura is of sound mind so so she sees these gray creatures staring at her and laura looked at her sister to see if her sister was seeing this But her sister was sleeping, calm as a cucumber. Then she realized that her sister Barbara's blankets were getting pulled off of her by themselves. Uh, Don't love that. And all of a sudden, Barbara, quote, floated into a standing position. That's the sister. The sister. So she went from (gasps) sleeping in her bed to the the covers getting pulled off by themselves. Nothing is doing it. They're just falling off of her. And then she is floated into a standing position. Can I just tell you something real quick that is like kind of a sidebar, but like happened last night that I just remembered when you said that? Oh, Christine, what happened? I, I was laying in bed and like I was so I was like falling or I was trying to fall asleep. I was not asleep. I mean, this is how every fucking one of these stories starts, but this has never happened to me before. So I was like flipped out and I was like, I have to tell M tomorrow. And I completely forgot until just now. Ugh. Blaze was asleep. I was laying in bed. Gio's at the end of the bed, like dead asleep. And I was kind of laying there and you know how when you're falling asleep you just kind of like play out things in your head or you're mm-hmm. just like thinking so i like started picturing some scene i don't know i was trying to like go through a conversation i'd had and all of a sudden it like morphed and there was this i don't even know how to describe it it was like this creature and it was sort of like the cheshire cat like it was like smiling Ugh. and it was like coming out of a wall and just kind of laughing at me and i remember my first instinct was like uh-oh uh <laughs> and i remember thinking like this is not a safe place for my mind to be it was so weird i don't know how to describe what i was thinking but it was sort of like this isn't a dream it was sort of like uh oh like something bad's happening and i was like i need to snap myself out of it and then all of a sudden my (laughs) my blankets got like fucking pulled off my shoulders (gasps) and like halfway down my body and so of course i like jerked up and i was like okay okay that was the cat. Like, luckily, the cat was. And I looked up, and the cats are both sleeping in Geo's bed, like over on the other side of the room. And oh, I'm just Christine. sitting there going, "What the fuck?" And I like looked at my covers, and they were like clearly not on my body. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god!" And it was very strange because I remember thinking, "I have to snap myself out of this." And all of a sudden, it felt like somebody just like, like you know how they. Say, I mean, just like this, like they say oh. in these stories, like someone yanked my blankets. I've never had that happen, and I was like, "Oh dear!" And I can still picture that creepy smiling face, like, "Oh my god!" I have such intense goose camera. <laughs> I forgot about it oh until you said the covers got yanked off, and I went, "Oh my fucking god!" Like last night, I was telling myself, "You have to remember it," and I was not asleep yet. Like I was just kind of moseying through my mind, and all of a sudden, this like horrible image appeared, and my covers just got. Anyway, sorry, that was so irrelevant, but like it oh scared the god. absolute. Jesus out of me so wow that's a lot to unpack um 
It feels <laughs> like if to me, if it had a creepy face and you had a gut instinct that it was unsafe and it was yeah. waiting for you to be kind of like in like more of like a vulnerable like la yeah. da space, it feels dangerous for you and then like to feel the it's almost like it was watching you while you were sleeping and then like when it realized you were more coming to it like got rattled or something i hate that holy shit it was it was almost like it didn't feel like sinister so much as it felt like trickstery like it was like trying to like a poltergeist yeah like it felt like it was trying to fuck with me and i remember going it worked okay please leave me alone and then i took my covers and i like wrap them very tightly around me and i was like don't pull on anything and um i anyway, felt I took my wallet to fall asleep oh i hate it i felt something next to me uh a while ago like a, like I, some at some point yesterday i felt something in the bathroom and i was like Ugh. do you just like watch me sit on the toilet that's such trash no, like it probably watches you try to wash your face because we're all trying to learn from the best <laughs> it's like don't use hand soap what is wrong with you stop putting dial i'm an esthetician stop putting dial hand soap no ew watching you on the toilet is like come on come on i don't not, know not classy friend. i did i did see a tweet at one point it must have been a tweet or a meme or something but it said like if you're ever worried that your parents or your grandparents that they've passed on do they do they like watch you do stuff in bed because they're like creepy ghosts like that's not on you that's on them being fucking weirdos valid. so like okay valid deal point. with that so sometimes when i'm in the bathroom and i think like if a ghost were to get me right now like i'd be in trouble and i'd be like but also there are weird as shit ghosts but also, like, like, I'm like what to... is the matter with you like you couldn't <laughs> wait till like this wasn't happening like what's your problem what are you yeah, into it's, wait that's a really good point it says more about them than you yeah. it does yeah so anyway I don't know how we got on that tangent, but... Um, well, I'm, I was just saying, because you said the covers got pulled off, and I was like, oh, that happened to me last I'm night. I'm so sorry that that happened. That's really terrifying. I would be much more scared than you're coming off. It was so weird, because I was like, it must be the cat. But then I was like, I, I don't think... A cat, I don't know how a cat could do that. But then also, it certainly was not a cat. But... I, Ew. It was gross, Em. It was really gross. That's never happened to me before. I don't know. Every now and then, I feel like some something might be like pulling on my covers or like touching the blanket or something and i just have to convince myself that i was so focused on my phone it like just fell a weird way and hit my arm by myself like i caused it because if i get too into the idea that someone is trying to like touch me while i'm in bed again by the way um (laughs) i just have to be like no 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 thank you this is it's probably why i don't go to bed until I'm completely exhausted out of my wits yeah. end so that I don't even have to focus on what's around me. You don't have to, like, think about your surroundings, yeah. Ugh. Anyway. Wow. Anyway, so poor Barbara. Just sidebar. Um, <laughs> poor Barbara is now floating in a standing position while apparently unconscious. Uh, and five-year-old Laura is just lying there watching this happen. <gasps> and then the same thing happens to Laura, where all of a sudden she is also floating in a standing position. And she feels, I don't know really how to explain it, but her and Barbara feel themselves floating or without their control, being guided or moved in some way. They're floating into the hall towards the stairs and they, she sees the gray aliens in tow. Um, (sighs) She, once they get to the foot of the stairs, it's very sweet as a five-year-old, but it's also really sad as a, you know, this is a scary situation. But she saw herself floating at the top of the stairs and she was like, I think they want me to go downstairs, but the only way I know how to go downstairs is move my feet. And so she started doing like these weird like bicycle pedaling motions in the air. Uh, kind of like how I imagine like if you have like put a puppy over some water and like they just they start start paddling 
cute. Um, but so apparently she remembers moving her legs as if she was trying to help get herself downstairs. Mm. And suddenly in her head, she heard a voice. <gasps> she says, this is a quote from her. Suddenly the voice, suddenly the first voice I heard was coming from the next, from the one next to me. His mouth did not move, but I heard his thoughts. He said, you don't have to do that. We'll do it for you. About the pedaling her legs to go downstairs. <gasps> Ugh. Yucko. So they were going to help her downstairs without her needing to do anything. So she stopped moving her. Oh, the rest of the quote is, so I stopped moving my legs uh, and felt that I was being floated downstairs without ever touching the steps. They got downstairs and Laura remembers seeing one of the aliens take her sister into another room. And at that moment, because I guess they were so far away from her, uh, she saw just how short these aliens were. Um, I guess her mom is about 5'2", and they were they looked shorter than her mom. So, oh, interesting. Fun fact, greys are probably shorter than 5'2". Um, Laura also remembers asking in her head or thinking, are these people like us? And then one of them in her head said, no, we are non-human living beings. <sighs> uh and then Laura goes on to say, I don't remember anything more about that experience, except that from that day on, Barbara was never the same. She became an oh. angry, defensive, stubborn brat, to put it bluntly. So, That's sad. Justice for Barb. Uh, let's bring that back because Seriously, poor Barbara uh, needs it. Poor Laura needs times. it, too. That's sad. So anyway, so Laura's dad, again, he's in the military. And so the family is used to moving around a lot. And eventually they end up next in iowa in davenport iowa and laura is now seven instead of five so two years have passed and they live in a house that is next to a ravine and they have a swing set in the backyard from what laura remembers and she says one night while she was sleeping just like the last time it always seems to be one night while you're sleeping when you're so vulnerable i mean (laughs) as a seven-year-old this is horrifying laura was somehow aware while she was sleeping that she was outside and floating above the roof and the swing set. Mm. So my first thought is like, oh, this could be like some really cool astral projection. Maybe yes, she just, that was my first thought Maybe too. she just didn't know she could astral project yet. But uh, so she was outside and she was floating above the roof and the swing set and she could feel herself uncontrollably being moved toward the sliding glass door of their house. And then she felt someone smack her on the butt really hard. Oh, What? Um, and she said her parents didn't spank her, so it was extra jarring because even her own parents wouldn't do it. But all of a sudden, instead of being asleep while aware that she was outside, she, I guess, came to and woke up and she realized that she was now laying on top of her covers in her bed. So she wasn't tucked in anymore. She was on top of her blankets and her nightgown was up. (gasps) Oh, um... Uh, She said that her underwear was still on, so she doesn't know exactly what happened, but she still felt super violated. So, well, yeah, obviously. Um, And even creepier, if it gets worse, uh, she then heard someone in the hallway faking the sound of her mom walking. Ew. What does that mean? How do you fake the sound? Quote, I knew my mom's normal footsteps in her leather loafers, but this was not her. When I heard, what I heard was as if someone was holding her tiny shoes in their hands and slapping, oh them, on the, slapping them on the floor in a fake walking sound. Oh my fucking God. That's heinous. 
i.e. Monty Python with coconuts. Uh, <laughs> same difference. <laughs> same. Di- that's how I have to like tell myself so I don't totally panic as I'm trying to panic? go to sleep. Panic, yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Juni, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. Prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So Laura, and she knew that it was someone trying to fake her mom because she heard the sound of these footsteps slapping through the floor, going into her parents' room, into the closet, hearing the closet door open, hearing the shoes get thrown in there and dropping to the floor, and then hearing the door close. Holy crap. And you have to wonder, like, since the mom was presumably sleeping, like, they could probably keep her asleep. You find that out throughout this story. I mean, just like Barb, you know? Like, if yeah, Barb, yeah. Barb was sleeping, the parents were sleeping. I mean, it seems like they're able to put everyone in a trance just to keep Ugh. the one person they want awake, which is awful. Don't like, don't love that. And then, as if it couldn't get worse, uh, Laura then, out in the hallway again, heard two, quote, robotic voices talking to each other. Ugh. And she also reminds us in this interview that this was 1965. There were no like computers in your home yet where you're used to like worrying mechanical sounds. Um, right, or like a Siri type voice or like you've got mail. Like none of that existed. No Microsoft Sam. She <laughs> Aww. she uh was very very disturbed. She was like yeah. this this was a sound I'd never heard in my entire life and she said it sounded like two computers in hindsight were talking to each other. Like lots of beep boop beep boop pop, you know. 
Um, oh. Or it could have been our podcast, apparently. <laughs> <Beat this up. laughs> um, but so she was just so freaked out hearing them talk in the hallway. Nothing else happened after that, but she didn't know any better. So she stayed up all night until morning. All while Barbara slept soundly, by the way. Nothing happened to Barbara that time. <sighs> and after this, uh, Laura's mom started noticing that Laura was acting really skittish. Obviously, she well, would. Sure. And Laura said nothing about it because she felt this overwhelming anxiety that if she said something, something would happen to her family. Wow. So they probably implanted some fear of... I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. That's, that's where my mind went. Like, my, they... oh, That's where my mind went, too, of like they are communicating with her telepathically or something. Or maybe it's just like an innate fear as a child after sure. a scary experience. I don't know. Which, I mean, I guess you do hear about like if something in a more true crime sense happens and you get scared to tell your parents because yeah. you're not aware if you're in trouble or not. I mean, I can see that as well. That kind of makes well, let's sense. Let's put it this way. I'm 28, and if there was an alien that abducted me i would be scared to tell anyone now because i'd be afraid that they would come after other people i care about so i think as a seven-year-old she was totally in her right to feel that way so two more years pass and now she's nine and they live in wisconsin it's even creepier to me that it's multiple locations yeah they're really tracking you can't hide from them sorry let me take a swig of g raid Ugh, i ran out of gatorade yesterday I miss it. I'm still trying to get through my Costco bulk buy from Oh, that's right. Ago. You have a million. I forgot. <laughs> Fun fact. Um, when Gatorade came out, my mom was one of the people who tested the drink. Yeah, you told me that once. Yeah. Ga- it's called Gatorade because of the University of Florida. Florida, the Gators. yeah. And uh, she was at college the year where they were testing it or something. And so she got like some of the first samples. <laughs> she that's was fun. like, it's better now. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> okay, so... Um, Two more years have passed, and now the family is in Wisconsin. It is 1967, and Laura is nine. One night, while she was sleeping, (laughs) per usual, uh, she was woken up by a very bright light, and she heard a, quote, almost electronic little girl's voice. Oh, God. It really does get worse every time you open your damn mouth, Em. It's almost like it really, every time they push the limit. Yes. Like, every time. Every time they show up, they're like, okay, well, that was fine. Like, what's next? How about this? So uh, an almost electronic little girl's voice. And the voice said, isn't the light pretty? Do you want to come and play in the light? For God's sake. Good night and goodbye. You know what Laura said? In her mind, at least, she thought, I have school tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Thanks, but no thanks. Tell me you get straight A's without telling me you get straight A's. I know. I have a quiz in the morning. <laughs> so Laura oh, got Laura. up Laura got up anyway to at least look out the window and see what this light was coming from. And she realized the light was coming directly above their garage. And that it was a very wide beam of light. And we know what happens with light beams in UFO stories. Uh-huh. Her body all of a sudden started to feel like every cell was, quote, vibrating apart from them. Like, like her body was completely separating from a molecular, molecular level. Ugh. And then she was somehow, all of her cells were transferred or moved from inside the room to outside of her house. Like through the wall, through the, the wood studs. And all of a sudden she was outside and her cells were all put back together. Oh, how weird is that? 
So it's almost like that's how they phase through solid objects. Yeah. They completely separate themselves and then rebuild on the outside. Fascinating. Um, she So now she remembers that she's floating in her driveway and essentially was beamed up. She remembers uh, passing through some sort of hatch and going down a hall. And this is a quote from her describing what she had seen. The entire place was made from some kind of silver metal. The hallway had a flat floor, but the wall to my right curved like an arch so that if you went too far to the right, you would hit your head. The hall curved around towards the left, too, as if you were walking in a large circle. As I was floating alone down this long hall, I passed by several doorways. No doors were visible, but I could see each room was pie-shaped like a slice of pie. Oh, that's fun. They should do that with Cheesecake Factory. Like, make every, ah, every room a little cheesecake slice. I love that. Narrow on the opposite side from the doorway, but flat like a bite was taken off of the end. So that is what apparently the inside of this craft looked like. It Intriguing. Was pie slices. Um, eventually, Laura actually saw a bigger room down the hall, and it looked like it was probably the control room. It had a lot of, like, gadgets and screens and shit. But before she even got to the end of the hall, she was moved, again, against her will, into a room with a metal exam table, and mm. she was laid on it. See, I would like to go home now. Thanks. That's what she said, too, yeah. also. Uh, at the same time, Laura also noticed that other uh, people were coming into the room, and people they were- or grays. Creatures. Gray the grays <laughs> she realized they were the same grays that she had met during her first experience when she was five. Oh, teddy hi good to see you again how did she yeah. know it was them oh god i think she had some innate knowing i guess right if they talk to her in her head there's probably some way to know who they are but also like what a scary confirmation that oh yeah they have been keeping complete tabs this are this isn't like three isolated events mm. it's they have been following this me. This isn't like a fancy ones. to meet you here. This is like a... Yeah, this oh isn't no, a, meet, we've... a meet cute. This no. is a This is a big, big problem. Uh, <laughs> the famous opposite of a meet cute. A big, big problem. <laughs> she uh, also ended up seeing a different creature other than the greys there, which was a six foot black, completely black, praying mantis looking oh, creature. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. And apparently when she saw him, before she even saw him with her eyes, she felt a presence in the room that was, quote, completely evil. So I don't know what to do with that information. Like, I really don't. So apparently he is just like, she sensed that he was the leader and she sensed complete evil before she even saw him and then realized <sighs> that this thing was in the room with her. And apparently they like both repelled each other. Like, I don't think... He wanted anything to do with her. She uh, clearly wanted nothing to do with him. What the heck? And in the middle of her panicking that she felt like she was in danger, all of a sudden, all the walls were almost made of like smart panels and they turned this really soft blue. And Laura said that it reminded her of like very calming fish tanks. Like, okay. <laughs> you know how when you're inside a very calming fish tank, it's we've like, all this been is there. Not, this is not a spa, Laura. I know you know that, so this is very mansplaining of me, but like, I don't know if I'd be thinking of fish tanks in this moment. Uh, I mean, I guess what would you be thinking? I mean, I, I, as a seven or nine-year-old, you'd be like, how do I have any other 
connection to this. True. I wonder <laughs> though, I wonder if that's in, if they were looking in her mind and thinking like, oh, what would be calming for her? And then they put humans like fish tanks, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, if they if they thought like, oh, you know, maybe this is something that's calming to her and she doesn't even know it, and then they made the walls blue, mm-hmm. and then they heard her thoughts going, this reminds me of calming fish tanks. They were probably like, okay, well, we nailed that. Like, we wanted her to feel calm, and we got confirmation. And then they so, wrote down fish tanks, fish tanks. So for the next abduction, yeah. <laughs> everybody was like, why? Why am I surrounded by, like, sharks? And If, if you've been abducted and you have seen f- fish tank-looking lights on a craft, that was probably Laura's doing. That Laura was a, did that I, for you, so That was welcome. a note from corporate, so. <laughs> um, so then she also saw that uh, there was a gray... That seems to be a little girl. She okay. was much shorter than the rest. She was about three and a half feet tall. She had long, wispy black hair and slanted, completely black eyes. Yeah. So, so I've gone from thinking about astral projection to like black-eyed children. Valid point. It's really like a mod podge of, uh-huh. and that's why we drink stories so far. Laura says that she actually was not scared at all of this little gray girl. Um, and she felt like this being was telling Laura that she was her sister. <gasps> um, and what's even weirder is this quote from Laura that says, somehow I felt this being was in fact genetically my sister. I wonder if my parents had also been taken by grays in the past. <gasps> And I was like, yeah. I was like, girl, you can't just say that and walk away, which the, is exactly what she did. We don't know any more than that. The connotations behind that are are disturbing. Um, the 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 storyline that you may be meeting your sister because your mother or your father have also been abducted and then assaulted. I'm assuming for there to be another being out there that is genetically your sister. Um, <gasps> But so it, it made her instantly think, I wonder if like mom and dad have, if, is this a, is this something I inherited from them? This weird gift of being traced? It's uh, certainly a gift, I would say. Yeah. This seems to be really a blessing. From the devil. Yeah. <laughs> from uh, the fucking satanic praying mantis or whatever it is. And so the, the next quote about this experience was, Later, I was brought back into my bedroom, again by moving right through the window itself. I was floated into my bed, stomach down, and my body was then pulled by this invisible force into a certain position. I was then told that I would have trouble sleeping from now on, and I should put myself in this position from then on to help me fall asleep. I've had to do this ever since, and I have been plagued by severe insomnia for the rest of my life. Okay. Also, girl, what's the position? Like you? Got- I thought it was on your stomach, she said. They said they put her on a... St- I was floated onto my bed, stomach down. My body was then pulled by an invisible force into a certain position. Oh, okay. You're right. I don't yeah, know. give it up, man. Some of us are also suffering from yeah, this insomnia. We've, we've all got insomnia. Do the aliens have, like, a trick? Like, we got to know it. But also, you know? it kind of blows my mind because I'm thinking, now they're saying, oh, sorry, you're going to have insomnia forever. Why don't they just not give her insomnia? Like, what? What? what is the purpose right. of that? Like, how can they... Maybe they realized, that I I wonder if there's like a, you know how in Wicked when like you saw the complete opposite side of like what the Wicked Witch was going through? Yeah. I wonder if the aliens realized like, oh, she shouldn't have seen the praying mantis. Like that's going to fuck her up. <laughs> oh. Like, we, we, we told we tr- her to wait in the control room and <laughs> that motherfucker just needs to insert himself. 
we we traumatized her. She's definitely going to have a hard time sleeping now. So maybe they didn't even know they were going to do that. I don't know. I mean, listen, my recommendation is some Z-Quil, yeah. some melatonin. And whatever that cocktail. position is, Laura Clark, you got to let us know. The secret alien position. <laughs> um, I'm disturbed. And the, the insomnia thing freaks me out that they like told her, sorry, you're going to have this issue forever. Bye. Yeah. It's just so strange that they wouldn't just. Well, that A, they would even tell her because it seems like they don't really have her best interests at heart. So why are they even caring? And B, if they care so much, why don't they just fix it? I don't know. And, and C, if they're able to put everyone else in a deep sleep so they don't have to yes! deal with the bullshit Laura's going through, Good why point. can't they just give Laura some of that? And like, oh, you know what I wonder? What? If she's part alien, maybe they know something about like her composition her makeup that isn't like other humans and she can't i don't know i don't know that probably maybe went too far. i don't know i mean she if she's genetically related to a, a gray then maybe they have more fascination in studying her than someone else but then wouldn't they also be interested in barb who would also have a half sister in space good point you know yeah i wonder i mean yeah if they both have the same biological parents then yeah that that wouldn't make sense you know, so that's so Raven had there. There's a spinoff now. I knew where... we were going there next. Totally prepared for this <laughs> twist. For those for those of you who don't know, in the world of reboots, uh, that's so Raven has a spinoff called Raven's Home or Raven's House or something, and uh, she has twins, and only one of them got her psychic abilities. Uh-huh. So I'm wondering if maybe that's something. Like that's maybe, a good point. Maybe Barbara isn't as special to them maybe they think laura's like more powerful or more co- connected yeah maybe she just has a more of a connection or like genetically is more predisposed to their i don't know mind she has more space dust in her blood maybe i don't know yeah definitely that's that. the one that's i'm a scientist it. yep uh so after this uh first of all laura did say she had severe insomnia for the rest of her life uh, but she also had some very minor health issues for the rest of her life, including like every now and then her left foot would just like go numb and <gasps> would, whenever she was walking, it would just kind of drag behind her. Like it wasn't <gasps> listening to her. And also her eyes would start shaking for no reason. It would oh. stop, but every now and then she would have little bouts of her eyes shaking. Weird. And I guess that it that's different than like a seizure. Like, I don't think... I think it's her just acting normally, but her eyes are kind of all over the place. I wonder um, what the foot is. Maybe they tested on it or something. Yeah, I don't know why they would pick or something. Maybe it was like when her cells were like rebuilding oh, right. themselves <laughs> to get through the wall. Maybe all of a sudden, like one nerve is like out of whack. They and... like mixed up her toes by accident, her toe <laughs> atoms or something. Um, but yeah, so she, I don't know what the foot thing is, but it's interesting that like a part of her still can't control its own movements every now and then. Very interesting. You know? Mm-hmm. So she's also, not surprised, has developed uh, intense anxiety. Oh, uh, well, no shit. Especially about the praying mantis leader, which like. <gasps> I mean, I'm developing anxiety and I didn't even see it in real life. So I don't blame you. I feel like if you're in a room with what you know to be true as completely evil like yeah a, just a completely malevolent presence like how do you not it's gotta haunt you how do you come back from that especially that as a child exists? who's probably yeah. never necessarily experienced something like that that level of fear or worked through it mentally and like sure. now it's just like really a repressed evil that you you know because <sighs> yeah, if you weren't comfortable telling your parents and you just had to know that any day now you could see that thing again i mean of yeah. course that would traumatize you 
<sighs> so anyway, she, uh, Laura finally went to her parents after this, Good. and uh, she told them what was going on, but they just said that she was having intense oh. nightmares. Okay, well, not good, I guess. Yeah, I mean, so. like, what do you do? Like, a, a part of me is like, oh, my God, I can't believe them. But then also I'm like, you know, if a child is like, I'm seeing aliens all the time, I, I don't know what you would do. Like, what would you do? Even if you did believe I, them. Yeah, I think that's almost... If I were to ever deny my child that experience, it would be out of my own fear of not yeah. knowing what, like, who do I bring this to? Yeah, you know? or, like, uh, not knowing how to, like, fix it. Or, I mean, it's totally out of anyone's Ugh. hands, I would think. I'm going to be the worst parent because of how supportive I'm going to be. Because <laughs> the second... Oh, <laughs> The second some, my kid comes up to me and says, like, there's a shadow figure in my closet, I'm going to be like we're burning the closet and like if there's an alien abduction i'm i don't know when i'm gonna i'll believe them but i'll be like that sucks let's just hope it doesn't happen again because i can't help you you know like yeah. i don't know what to do and also i just think about like like what would a kid even how would that even manifest psychologically if you go to your parent who's supposed to be able to help you through anything yeah and just watch them go like i don't fucking I know, know. Uh, but i don't i also wonder like maybe the most beneficial thing to do is like believe them but also like comfort them like not be like i'm terrified i'm gonna burn the house down but like oh i wouldn't tell them i was terrified and i would burn the, the closet down i would just accidentally burn the closet down oops after they told me and i'd be like oh no well at least now there's I'm nothing trying there. to make s'mores in the back of the closet i guess <laughs> i would i'd be like oh no i have a new job i have to go we have to leave this entire house i would never let them know i was terrified yeah but i feel I like that's the big thing is like a like the believing is a big part of it i think because you know you hear about all those kids who in true crime or in paranormal stuff whose parents don't believe them and how damaging that is but then also like yeah you don't want your parents to be equally as out of control and terrified because they're supposed to be protecting you and even if you are you probably have to pretend to be the strong one yeah whoever the the new warrens are or the alien version the alien abduction warrens i would have to have their number on speed dial so yeah thank god we have like the internet and all of our listeners who could probably uh be like here's what to do (laughs) because i don't know what to do uh well uh anyway so she told that she told her parents they said that she was having nightmares and that being said, Laura always thought that her mom actually knew more than she was letting on. Oh, so I was going to say, too, like, if if she really had that weird instinctual feeling that her parents had been abducted before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. So that they, she would... that, that, sorry, but that brings up a whole other, like, slew of factors of, like, okay, it's one thing if you don't know what to do. It's one thing if you don't believe your kid. But it's another thing to know what they're going through and just not fucking say anything. Like, yeah. not to totally judge Laura's mom. I don't know what I would do in that situation, but that's a whole other ball of wax I yeah. haven't even thought of. So, Because uh, you anyways. probably are traumatized, too, as if you went through that yeah. as a parent. You know what I mean? Like, So, uh, anyway, so Laura always thought her mom might have known something more. But mm. anyway, five years later go by, and it's 1972, and Laura is 14. And uh, her parents are now divorced and she's living with her dad in a suburb of Chicago. And one night she was about to go to bed, which is the first time that she wasn't already asleep. So Laura was about to go to bed and she noticed that the light in her room was off when she uh, went in, but she had left it on. So why was the light turned off all of a sudden? Turn right around. Yeah. (laughs) Go back to the kitchen, eat a Pop-Tart. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Have two, have three. Have Uh, the whole box. I don't care. And this is a quote from her. 
As I stepped into my room and closed the door, I suddenly became very weak and tired. It hit Mm. me like a ton of bricks and I stumbled over to my bed and fell into it. What was going on? You know, what's interesting is it's like whenever they've decided to visit her before, she was already sleeping in her room and there was a deep sleep. It's almost like they're not trancing putting her in a trance but putting th- that perimeter that space in a trance because the second <gasps> she walked in point. the second she walked in she was exhausted but beforehand she wasn't wow that is you know? weird yeah so i don't know if she's actually being put in some sort of spell or if it's just the space she's in but then there was that time where her sister was asleep but she was awake oh that's a good point too which is also weird Maybe mm. this is like a new gray, like an intern, and he like doesn't totally know. He like, fucked up. He doesn't know how things get started usually. Oh. Like the boss ran out and was like, I don't know, you get this you get this thing kicked off. And he's she's like, I don't know. Oops. Um okay. So while on her bed, so in the middle of her like passing out because she's so exhausted, while on her bed, she saw that her closet door was closed, but the light inside was on. Yeah, that's somehow really awful. I don't even know why, but that's just awful. Something's and in the, there. Then the closet door opened, mm. and a gray came out, Mm-mm. and Laura passed out, and the next thing she remembers is her floating over her house, moving towards her front door. <sighs> Almost as okay. if they were returning her. Oh, she was coming back. Ugh. Okay. Yikes. She says, I noticed my clothes were all stuck to me like I was vacuum sealed and I felt very <gasps> cold and clammy. When I was When I was brought to the bedroom, they set me down on the floor and I could feel the invisible force leave me and my clothes fell away from my body again like the vacuum suction had left. Ooh, that gave me goose cam. What a freaky idea. It's so wild because I feel like we all know these tropes of what an alien abduction entails. And whenever I hear uh-huh. a detail I've never thought of, it's for some reason more credible to me because it could be like a total random thing yeah. that someone made up. But it's just there's an eeriness to it that it someone has thought. No, of you're that. totally right because it's you not know? just another like cliche. It's almost like... Yeah something you would never have thought of that is also just so creepy that adds to the story vacuum sealed how weird yeah and then all of a sudden when she felt them like leave her clothes Uh. fell off of her she also heard the sound of like a humming or a drone and trees moving as if there was a huge gust of wind or a chopper nearby so i'm imagining cleaner (laughs) or i think it was probably like the she heard the hum of like the ufo's engine as it was flying away or something yeah 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 um and then she saw this quote light beam leave Mm. so and she basically she saw um like the helicopter sounds went away the trees stopped rustling as if there was a big wind that went by and she just like went to sleep she just passed out she was so exhausted from whatever happened so that was the next experience and then we get to 1981 when she's 23 oh boy and Laura is now living in rural New York with her husband. Okay, Laura. Uh, she's she's doing a- shit. They're like, no, keep coming with us. And she's like, I got my own life to live, man. Well, you know what's interesting, too, is that she, in the beginning of her life, they were coming every couple of years and it slowly started getting further and further apart so i don't know if that was kind of like you know how if something's like wrong at medically with you and you go to the doctor more often and then as things get better like you you don't have to go as often yes, like there's I a bigger gap actually, between visits. fully exactly what you're talking about yes 
Good, because I don't. And I was just totally <laughs> telling you your own life. Yeah, well, but, there are times where you're like always going to doctor. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And then like over time, you hopefully those don't diminish. have to go as yeah. often. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm wondering if because she was like new on the UFO docket of people to visit, they were checking on her more often. And then as time went on, they only needed to check in on her. Well, you know what I wonder yeah. too, which this what? could be just total bullshit is like, at that time, she was a kid and growing really rapidly. And I wonder <gasps> if, like, it was more of, like, tracking her growth and development if she was related to these aliens somehow versus, like... Uh, Christine. Versus... For, I'm convinced now. Oh, my gosh. Versus, so like, right. when you get older and, you, you know, you don't develop or change all that much once you're past teenage years. Wow. That is <laughs> horrific. Wow. It's so... Like, when you go to the pediatrician to get... Like, when you're a little baby or whatever, and then it, like, stops. But... I like how we keep relating this to the doctor as if like a giant evil praying mantis overlord <laughs> is the same as a pediatrician. But um, wouldn't that be terrible, though, if it's every two years and then by the time you hit like 16, you're like, oh, God, any day now. And yeah. then it doesn't happen. And then it doesn't happen. And then 23 and you're like, fuck. Yeah. No, there's like a mental torture to it. Which it would she, be. She did mention not in so many words, but she was like at this point, like, what, seven, why can't I do fucking math? I don't know. Nine, nine years. At this point, nine wow. years had passed. And so she was like, I had never gone that long in my life not hearing from them. So I just thought things were getting better. Yeah, you would hope it was the end. Yeah. And she was Fuck. like, I've, I've never gone this long without an alien abduction. Yeah, Can you same girl. I get it. <laughs> um, and so she was uh, in rural New York. She's 23. She has a husband, Lance, and they have a two-year-old son named Morgan. Aww. And uh, one night her and Lance were watching TV. Laura noticed that Lance got up very quickly from the couch without a word and just started like walking really quickly uh to the bedroom uh -oh. and said that he started quote walking in a stiff disjointed way like, oh almost like his own body like wasn't in his control anymore oh no can you imagine like they really in terms of originality they've gone above and beyond every time they go see her and now this is the first time that she's seeing like someone else be affected by them while she's awake while he's awake you know they're getting more comfortable with her being coherent and seeing everything happen horrible. in front of her horrible and so she's just like she thinks nine years they're not coming after me anymore and now her husband gets up and starts walking really weirdly and you know is acting out of sorts and all of a sudden he stumbles into bed he was they were just watching tv like normal and all of a sudden he stumbles into bed and just passes out and goes into this super deep sleep almost like he's in a trance oh god oh god she freaks out and goes to check on her son morgan yeah, right. and finds and finds out that he's also all of a sudden in an unshakable sleep and she says that it's almost as if he was quote frozen in time well you don't want that with a two-year-old either like that's terrifying but all of a sudden the only two people in your house cannot be woken <gasps> I mean, nightmare, real nightmare. And so I'm sure she, even if she's doing better after nine years, I, I can't imagine you just stop always wondering what's going to happen next with these grays. And so I think she freaked out and was like, fuck, like, I'm pretty sure something's about to happen. Not again. And she went to go, yeah, she went to go check on her, on her son. And then she heard the trees blowing really <sighs> intensely. She saw a bright light over their house. And she heard a humming sound outside. And then she heard the humming sound inside. <gasps> and this is a quote from her. 
I checked the front door and it was locked. So I turned around and was stopped in my tracks when I saw a very short being standing in my kitchen. Oh my God. I stared at it trying to figure out what it was. I had apparently walked right past it. This was something new I'd never seen before. It was shorter than my son and I thought it was odd. I had It had a very round basketball sized head with tiny black eyes and I could see no other features except that it was wearing a long sleeved white robe that covered everything else. I could see no hands or feet and I thought, oh my God, he's shorter than my son. And the thing replied telepathically, huh? Yes, but we are very, very old. <laughs> what What the hell wait so he was shorter than a two-year-old he was shorter than a two-year-old wearing a robe wearing like a paper towel like what do you mean a robe it it feels very yoda like just like that's what i thought tiny 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 old old very old very very old it's so strange i mean it's like the opposite of when you talk about three kids in a trench coat it's like (laughs) the opposite of that like the honey i shrunk the kids version but like they uh but yeah so she saw one just standing in the kitchen after i feel like i would like step on it like i feel like i wouldn't even see it you know what i mean if it's like a foot off the ground it's like a walking newborn you know which is actually now that you say it way creepy yeah then she heard so she sees this thing i would imagine at least slightly petrified of the experience and uh then she heard the front door open and five more grays floated in goodbye are they also really tiny or do we know I don't know what they look like in comparison to the very, very old one, but the five grays that did float in apparently all looked identical, but they apparently had very different personalities. So I'm thinking like the seven dwarfs, like <laughs> bashful, hungry. Oh, oh there's God. not, a, there's, that's not, there's not. A I hungry. always that's call it hungry me. too. And everyone's like, that's not one. And I'm like, I guess I'm projecting. So I think <laughs> we're both on the same page there. Bashful grumpy i would be grumpy also sleepy that one's me uh, i think yeah. like we're all of them encompassed <laughs> plus hungry we're all of them except like sneezy i don't know well, okay so uh, speak for yourself i have sinusitis <laughs> <laughs> uh so anyway the all of them looked identical but had different personalities they floated in and this is super weird but laura said that I guess she never noticed before, but if they were all floating or they also have to float to move everywhere, I guess she probably thought this whole time like, oh, I, they have to make me float so that they can move me so that I'm lightweight and so I don't have to move myself. But I think maybe this was the first time she realized that the way that they get around everywhere is they float. Interesting. And she keeps feeling like she's one of them. Like she can move that way too, you know? She well. They, she also said this is like the weird part is that for them apparently it looked really weird to see them floating because the way that they would like propel themselves anywhere since they're not touching the ground is they would it kind of looked like an upright doggy paddle that they she said Stop they it. were they were quote pushing through jello is what it looked like like just what well you know what? Weird... I wonder if that's because they're not used to this atmosphere like maybe in maybe. their atmosphere it's a different gravity pull or something. Yeah, I don't know. That's actually a really good point. Thank you. I'm talking directly out of my ass, but I'm glad that it was a good point. (laughs) She thought that one of them was uh, actually walking down the hall at one point, but then it like snuck up around her and got right in her face. Goodbye. 
And she said that he apparently smelled really bad. <laughs> she says, quote, I noticed a strong, nasty smell. It was a combination of urine and sweet spices and vomit. And it made me want to throw up. Oh, it makes me want to throw up. Yeah, right that now. was that was a really awful description. It's very, very uh, specific and, and detailed. Thank you, Laura. It's one I can follow easily and I hate it. Um, <laughs> so this really bad smelling one that was all up in our grill uh this gray tried to actually like fuck with our head and i guess telepathically make her feel like garbage and make her scared of them and uh to make her feel worthless and i think it was like cower in fear from them or something like that oh and she she insulted that really short one it's probably like you're short as shit and you smell like vomit they're Um, overcompensating (laughs) yeah Uh, also, you look like you're swimming through Jello. Get it together. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. I guess they have, they have a lot of reasons to not feel welcome in the home. <laughs> and uh, and so she, he was trying to intimidate her. And Laura says that she did want to cry, but she wasn't going to give in. So she looked him dead in the eyes. Yes, Laura. Also, that must be a scary looking someone dead in the eyes. Like those especially black slanty eyes uh-uh. especially like the eyes of someone that is not a human being and who wants <sighs> you to be terrified of them i can't imagine but she owned it she stared him dead in the eyes and Get apparently it. uh she this is when she noticed for the first time that their quote all black eyes were actually uh normal eyes and the irises were black and the pupils were darker than black Ooh, yikes Ooh. She also said that their skin up close looks like rough cowhide. Ooh. Yeah. So that is when this gray being all of a sudden, quote, flooded my mind with memories of every time that they had visited her in the past. And they told Laura that her memories were connected to them. Oh, my God. She was terrified. And so she started in her mind praying for help. And she was thinking, please, God, help me, Jesus. And the gray Uh-oh. said telepathically, yes, we know God too. <gasps> I hate it. <sighs> I hate it. Ah, what? Which made her feel like, okay, so no one's coming to help No me. one's helping me. Okay, this is so wildly terrifying. I don't know that that got me good. My goose cam is out of yeah. this world right now. I'm like shivering, honestly. Uh, so now she realizes that she's floating and they take her outside and she sees the beam of light again and then nothing. And she woke up later. So I it's almost like... like it's almost like she like called their bluff on being intimidated and they're like, OK, you just don't get to remember this one then. Goodbye. Wow. Yeah, they're like, we're done. Snap. Well, I also, I mean, that must be extra terrifying, too, now that you have a kid. There's, like, that protection fear of, like, I hope they don't touch him. Like, get out of my fucking house. Like, don't touch my family. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. We know Uh, God, too. Ugh! That 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 one got me. so bad? And true to form, I did these notes, like, 10 hours ago, which means it was, like, 3 a.m. or something. So I was... In my own house. And there was this wild windstorm last night, Christine. Like, to, like I was nervous. But I thought that, like, a like a chair on our balcony was going to, like, break through the door or something. It was really bad. Ugh, and chills. so all I heard, I was in, like, pitch silence. And I just kept hearing this nasty wind and things getting ruffled around my house. And at 3 a.m., I just read, we know God, too. And I was Ugh. like, 
I was when like, you're reading about out. like the the trees were blowing with the UFOs descent. Prime, it was prime uh, ambient sounds for what I was reading. So, mm-hmm. um, so now she's floating. She sees the beam of light, and she just wakes up and doesn't remember anything. So this is a quote from her about the next day. When I woke up, I found a red spot with a scab just below my belly button, Mm. which this is the first time we're seeing anything invasive potentially happening to her. When I pulled at it, the scab, (gasps) it popped off and seemed to be attached to a long, thin sheath of tissue that had been been burrowed down in my belly. No! I hate this. I don't like it. It must have been about five inches long. Oh my god. It seemed that something had been perhaps implanted within me. Oh my god, I'm gonna puke. It was as if something like a giant fat needle had been shoved deep into my belly and it left a long hole. Okay, 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 okay. It didn't even bleed or anything. I wrapped the sheath in a tissue and saved it as proof. Then I went to wipe myself after peeing and I could not believe what I saw on the toilet. There was a large circle of thick, oily substance, but it was divided in half, like half circle of bright yellow and half circle of bright amber orange, thick, oily liquid. It was as if the two could not mix and they were touching, but not mixing together. Wait, so this came from her weird tissue? So no. So these are two separate events. So she found this red spot on her her next to her belly button pulled on it and found this like me again yeah i appreciate it yeah Uh okay so that tissue that she found or uh that sheath that she found she put in a tissue then she went to go pee and when she wiped oh when she wiped oh when she wiped i think if i'm reading it right her pee and something else that was (gasps) very oily were separating on the toilet paper in front of her (gasps) oh no oh no so she was panicked and she didn't know what to do she planned on saving the toilet paper as more proof but then she was like who do i give this toilet paper of right. my pee to and so she didn't know what to do she just threw it away like what uh, truly it's like what would you possibly do what could you but do also like what happened to your belly and also was that one of two operations or implantations where now the second one is this weird pee thing well or was the first one an implantation and part of the effects of whatever's inside you now was that you are peeing out some residue well i mean i have a theory and it's not what? a good one i mean what? right here below your belly button is like where your womb would be or where like you would do like an amniocentesis like needle uh oh. like that's how they get to your like womb slash placenta and oh my I, God. my thought is like, if there's discharge of some kind, like, I don't know what it is, but if it's like a foreign type of discharge, it could very well be related to however they're accessing your oh uterus. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Oh, Laura I want to jump out a window. Wow. That is. Beyond. And again, this is just me speculating, but that was where my mind but I horrifyingly. It's, it's a speculation I hadn't even thought of. So like when I, it's just reminding me of when she was talking about how her she thought like her parents had been taken and had procreated somehow, you know. Yeah. Oh my god. <sighs> oh my god, Christine. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Okay. I'm scared. Okay. okay. Well, what year was that? That was 81. Okay. I'm trying to do math here. Whatever. Okay. Next. Three years <laughs> later. 
Three years later, 1984, it's still not fucking over. Oh, no. 1984, she's around, I'm guessing around 1984. She was around 26 years old. And Laura is now divorced and remarried and also has a daughter named Rachel. I do not know how old Rachel is, but if she is around three, now I'm fucking panicked. Now I'm fucking panicked that Rachel is part alien. Well, it was weird because she always like wore a little robe and wandered around and called herself very old. (laughs) Nobody knew why she behaved that way. (sighs) Rachel, if you listen to this podcast for some reason, because you would have been born... In the early 80s. You would have been so, born, presumably, unless there's a different gestation period, nine months after said uh, oh my God. abduction. <laughs> I'm not saying you're an alien. I'm just saying, can you confirm for me are you're you not an okay? alien? Are you okay is what I want to know. Are you okay? Are, are you is, all right? I just want to know because I'm now I'm kind of freaked out that I like, maybe get a blood test. I'm just checking. I'm just, I would be nervous. Or maybe okay. don't because like the government might intervene and I don't want to know what would happen. <laughs> Actually, never, ever find out. <laughs> um, okay. Yikes. I'm so I sorry. Hope Rachel does not listen to this. We are not Rachel, helping. <laughs> I hope you take this in jest. It's just very, it's odd timing. So it's I'm, I'm curious. That's all. Um, okay. So now has a daughter, Rachel, and Morgan is now five years old. Morgan is five. Guess how old Laura was when things started happening. Oh, shit. Five. Oh, you're right. Oh, no. And if we're wondering if things are generational or inherited, and Laura always oh, thought, no. oh, my mom maybe saw something and she just never told me, and now I see things, and now my kid is five, what could go wrong? What oh, could no. happen? One night, oh fuck, Laura is watching TV, and in her head, she hears a voice, wake up, go to your son, he needs you. <gasps> Probably checks- a parent's worst nightmare. I wouldn't know, but that sounds horrifying to me. Although I will say if I were to ever, I I hope I never have that experience, but if I were to have that experience, I would assume that if I'm hearing that voice, it's almost like someone saying like, this is your, your last, like you still have a chance that everything's going to be okay because I'm warning you before it's too fucking late. Yeah. So I guess it's almost in the worst, most terrifying way. It's comforting that someone was looking out. I guess. Anyway, she goes to check on Morgan Morgan is laying in bed and he looks like he's been pulled up from his bed and that his head and his shoulders are above his pillow. So it's almost like Ew. he's pulled almost out of his covers. Okay. And his blankets are weirdly neatly folded Meh. over the rest of his body. And his bedding is not, but he and his clothes are covered in blood. What the weirder part to me is that his bedding is untouched with blood, almost as if he what? was bloodied and then placed in there. What or they the tried they fuck? tried to put him in there, but they couldn't, and so that's why he's like weirdly positioned over his pillow. What the hell? So it to me, it sounds like it was a severe nosebleed. It, blood was like coming out of his nose, uh, so I'm assuming it's a nosebleed. But the Again, blood wasn't anywhere on the bedding. So Laura runs to the neighbor and tells them to call 911. But her neighbor is also acting really weird. (gasps) Uh Uh-oh. Here's a quote. She followed me upstairs and acted very strange. As I ran to the bathroom to get cold, wet washcloths and towels, she brought a dining chair in from the kitchen and parked herself at the head of his bed and didn't do or say a thing. It was almost like she was in a trance. She eventually left after I asked her again to call for help, and she never did. Oh, my God. No. 
It's like a horror so, movie. So I don't know if if this is uh, like an an alien abduction thing. I don't know if someone was almost possessing the neighbor to keep tabs on the kid. Like, why would they interact with the the neighbor at all? To make well, sure. One thing I was wondering earlier too is like when you said, "Oh, she saw a beam of light and all this business," and her husband and her son were like in a trance. My first thought was like, I wonder if they put that trance in like a wide circle so that people don't see the beam uh, of light on her house, don't hear the trees. Like, I wonder how broadly this like trance goes. That maybe it's the whole area, or if the beam itself is what's putting people on a trance. Or that it hits oh, your location, right? Because right? like if she hit- walked into the house, maybe it was like then she got taken over Ugh. well so we end up finding out why because so morgan ends up uh she morgan also by the way as this is happening and he's bleeding profusely just to make a a mother's worst nightmare even worse he was not waking up during any of this so she didn't even know like if this was like it for him oh my god so it's almost like he was still in this trance of like not knowing what was going on he was like this this unwakeable sleep but come morning, he wakes up and he's totally fucking fine, even asks to go to school. Covered um, in blood. <laughs> covered in blood. Well, I'm sure she wiped him off. But yeah, I don't, oh, just nightmare fuel. So uh, when he came home from school, Laura asked him, hey, do you remember anything about last night? And he said that he, quote, woke up and saw a skeleton man standing in his room. So Great. he hid. he hid under his bed. But then he was taken out of his house along with the neighbor's son, who was <gasps> the same age. Oh, shit. So it's not just Morgan, it's the neighborhood boy is also being beamed up at the same time. <gasps> and they're both five. So that makes me think, unless the neighbors also have some sort of history with aliens, maybe it's like a compare and contrast situation. Where Interesting. It's like, um, here's a random five-year-old next door to the one that we- control sample. <laughs> here's a control sample next to our longitudinal study um, <gasps> of generational abduction something. I don't know. So Wow. They, so that would explain why the neighbor woman was also in a trance I because see. her own kid. That was her kid. Oh, fuck. So even her own house was put under a trance so both kids could be abducted and nobody noticed. And Jesus. then that makes me think, like, how connected is Laura? Because that mom was able to, like, be in a complete trance and taken over by them. But they allowed Laura to stay awake and conscious during all of this. And they even told her, like, go help your son. Like, they they gave... They maybe gave they, her a head start. Well, maybe they fucked up. Maybe they were like testing him and they accidentally like poked him had, too hard or something. And they were like, "Uh oh, that wasn't the plan. I hadn't even thought of that. Help. I wonder if I wonder if they planned on shutting off like her access to them once they had like a new generation to follow up oh, with. Ugh. So without getting totally into it with WandaVision, there's a there's a new superhero where basically she was affected by Wanda's magic so many times that her genes started mutating and she oh. became uh she became like she wasn't vulnerable to Wanda's magic anymore like it wasn't affecting her the same way it was affecting everyone else cuz she had been hit by Wanda's powers so many times and so i'm wondering if like Laura had had so much access with the aliens over time that mm-hmm. she was almost like impervious to their putting the the moms under a trance while working on their kids oh my god you know yes. or maybe they just they like her after all this time they're like she's not that bad let's like let yeah. her be involved or maybe they just see her as one of them and are like oh she's yeah. too far gone 
if they genetically think that she is part alien, then technically her son would have like an, an aunt who's an alien up there just hanging out, you know? Yes, true. The little gray girl. So she, when she realized that her son had been talking to somebody and was floating around outside of their house, uh, Laura looked at the sky and thought really loudly, it's bad enough that you have taken me against my will all my life, but stay away from my kids. <gasps> and after that, I don't think anything happened to Morgan. I know she went to like, she took him to a doctor the next day and they couldn't find anything that was wrong oh, with him. Of course. And uh, I don't know what happened to Morgan after that, but Laura had two more kids after Morgan and Rachel. She had Ashley and Ricky. And she says that she's always felt like they were watching her. And she's even had UFO sightings that uh, where at times when she saw the UFO sighting, I th if I'm reading it right or if I'm understanding her, it feels like she has enough paranoia now where if she has what she considers a UFO sighting, she wonders if she actually just had been abducted and doesn't fucking remember it like <gasps> true like her complete memory would have they just, just been wiped, wiped the memory yeah so anyway she says that she's seen things but nothing really drastic has happened to her again and uh it seems like since at least the 80s she was telling them like stay away from my kids and they listened uh but <laughs> what i mean it just couldn't be more perfect timing. It's like the aliens really want to fuck with us because after 1984 or whatever, she didn't have any really uh, notable experiences until March 2020. No, shut up. <laughs> the beginning of the lockdown. Come on. So, uh, Laura was 62 and uh, she heard strange humming as she was falling asleep. No. And I think at that point, after, like, once you're 62, maybe you're just hardened from some of the shit that you went through as a kid. And she just fucking ignored it. She was like, I don't even want to fucking know. No. <laughs> so, at this point, what are you going to do? I mean, you can't stop it. There is a quote from her. This is a, a longer one, but it's uh, kind of ties everything together. But she heard humming uh, is where we end with that. She fell asleep listening to some strange humming over her house. And when asked about it, she said, I was very tired, so I didn't think anything of it and never got up to look outside. But last night, my daughter, Rachel, sent me a message to call her right away. <gasps> Keep in mind, Rachel might be the one that has some alien DNA, <gasps> if, if our theory might be correct. Yes. So it's interesting that maybe Morgan's not being touched, but Rachel is, or some of the kids are more affected than the others. Oh, I don't shit. know about Ashley and Ricky, but Rachel is having experiences, which would also make it more credible that maybe Laura's mom did know more than she let on. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. now that's three generations that we know of. And four generations because uh -oh. Rachel sent me a message to call her right away. She said my granddaughter Claire was the last one eating at the table last night and she noticed a humming sound and saw a black ball hovering outside her window. And they live two houses away from <gasps> Laura. Oh, no. So whatever humming... Laura heard Claire was also seeing. Oh, no. My son-in-law said that he'd seen it the night before. They said it was humming, at, or they said it was all black and round, about four to six feet across, and it had no visible lights. They saw it hovering over a stump of a giant pine tree they had just cut down, and it also went over their neighbor's yard behind that house and came back to their yard. I'm guessing it may have been outside my house two nights ago when I heard the humming, which was the same night that they saw it. 
We live two doors away from each other. And also my son-in-law just told me that the night he saw it, he was napping on the couch and woke up with their dog staring out the window and growling a low growl. And Mm. usually she barks loudly at everything. So he turned to see what she was looking at and outside the window saw the black ball above the tree stump. It hovered very slowly towards him. And as soon as it got a few feet away from his window, it triggered the outside floodlights to come on. So he got a good look at it. But when their dog came in the room, the thing took off fast. So now two generations under Laura are experiencing things. And the person who wrote this article did vouch for Laura, saying that she seemed very collected and articulate and very convinced of her past. And that Laura also was telling the story purely to tell the, her story and get it out there, um, not for any monetary reasons, just because she wanted people to hear about it. I'm going to end on the creepiest thing oh, to great. me is that very, very, very late in the game, decades later after everything happened, and I guess Laura was more open about her experiences, her sister Barbara came out and said, I was awake when I was floating down the stairs with you. Shut the front door. And we don't know anything else. Barbara, we need we need more info, Babs. Come on. We Barbie, can't <laughs> step it up. This is your time to tell us what the hell is going on. All we know is decades later, she admitted that she was awake during the incident all those years that ago. That moment where Barbara's like, I have to tell you something. Mm-hmm. In their 60s, they're drinking lemonade on the porch. The <laughs> Howdy toddies. Howdy toddies, obviously. Sorry, hot toddies. Hot toddies. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, yeah, they're drinking on the porch. Rocking back and forth. The movie ends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you something. Oh, so scary. Which so means, scary. I guess that means Barbara can confirm that happened, but I don't know. It, Just it, another that's witness. all the info we got. Just another witness. So you've got a potential mom. You've got the sister. You've got Laura. You've got this genetic sister in space. You've got Morgan, who's had an experience. You've got Rachel and Rachel's granddaughter and... Rachel's husband. So that's eight people that have been affected by these aliens. Oh, not including be, those neighbors. To be a fly on the wall at that family reunion. Wow. I would pay big bucks to see this go down. Wow. Anyway, that was a, a long one, but that was the abductions of Laura Clark and Laura slash Rachel slash Claire, because you're probably within our podcast listenership audience demographics. Demographic. <laughs> If you happen to be able to confirm any of this, please let me know. Wow. Uh, that is honestly one of the scarier ones you've told. I, as everyone knows, am terrified of aliens. Terrified. Yeah. Fully believe shit happens. And I want to, it's like, I want to, I'm fascinated. So I want to learn more. But I also have that weird theory that like, the more you think and talk about it, the more likely it is to be your, for you to be a part of it. So I don't know where I stand, but yikes. I know, I know. You, we've mentioned it a million times, but like the the only thing scarier about it is that potentially to think about it is is going to get you it's more dangerous. Trouble. I know. Ooh, yikes! Okay, well, thank you for terrifying me. Um, I'm going to go welcome. to bed tonight and like fucking safety pin my covers onto myself. I was going to say <laughs> duct tape yourself into bed. I swear that was the weirdest feeling, and I remember thinking like something's off and then all of a sudden my covers got yanked Ugh. oh god i don't envy you I, it's awful. never i've never had something like physically like that aggressive happen no i don't like it um i don't i don't envy you i'm sorry that <laughs> happened though i don't know how to help also which is one of the reasons i feel so bad because i'm like if i could 
staple you into your mattress. I, I know you'd staple you me know. in. Yeah. Read me and a I'll bedtime sh- story. Staple me in. And then I'll tickle you while you're while you're locked in. I'll Please get your don't. Winner. That's <laughs> maybe worse than an alien abduction. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I have a story for you that is uh, probably even more horrifying. So I apologize. But here we are back in true crime world. I have a story for you today. It takes place in Cleveland. Hmm. Massive trigger warnings uh, for sexual assault, rape, Ooh. bad times, bad times. So just a big heads up that um, I know I t- I, that happens in a lot of stories I cover, but this is just a little more detailed than usual. Oh, shit. Uh, okay. So on October 29th, 2009, police arrived at Anthony Sowell's home. So well, so well. It's spelled like Sowell, so, but it's pronounced so well. Got it. Anthony Sowell's home on Imperial Street in Cleveland, Ohio, with a warrant to arrest him for the rape of Latundra Billups. So this is October of 2009. When they arrived at the house, Anthony wasn't there, but police had enough reason to stay. They had found two bodies on the floor of his living room. Shit. In the basement, they saw a mound of dirt on top of the concrete flooring, and when they looked closer, they found four more bodies both buried in this shallow grave in the basement and in other crawl spaces throughout the house. Okay. Then they took the backyard, or they took to the backyard where they found three more bodies plus the remains of a fourth. Jesus Christ. Yeah. They also found a human skull in a bucket inside the house, uh, which they lovingly showed without any warning on the Vice documentary. Very Vice of them. Just fucking here it is. Yeah. Just a warning. Uh, Which now brought the body count in his home to 11. (sighs) Yikes. So, okay. Stop by to arrest him for a rape and find 11 bodies in his house. Wow. Yeah. Not a moment too soon? I don't know. I, I don't I'm know hoping, how that idiom works, but that sounds right. It feels like it's many moments too late, though. That's it's certainly, for sure. certainly too late. Yes, that I uh, can't deny that. So, this is the story of the gruesome Cleveland Strangler. Anthony Wait. So well. The Cleveland Strangler. I feel like I know that name. Yeah, it's a very famous serial killer okay well there you have it and you're gonna know all about him in the next half hour yay <laughs> yay so anthony sowell was born on august 19 1959 in east cleveland ohio he was one of seven children born to single mom claudia garrison and in this vice doc uh vice doc in this vice <laughs> documentary which is on youtube they really delve into the background of the area i mean i'm familiar with the same kind of dynamic in cleveland in the first half of the 20th century a lot of black families moved to this part of cleveland east cleveland from the south but then in the 60s uh white families you know migrated to the suburbs and over time the east cleveland area saw which had once been like beautiful and thriving saw the influx of drugs especially when crack cocaine kind of took the streets okay and uh this basically worked to just segregate the area further keep it under the thumb of poverty Mm. uh just you know, it, it. this is one of those stories that just shows the drastic, you know, difference in, in uh, how cases are handled and that kind of thing. Right, 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 right. So after Sowell's sister passed away from a chronic illness, he was raised alongside her seven children as well. So basically, as a child, he was raised alongside his seven nieces and nephews. Cool. Got it. He was primarily raised by his mother, Claudia, and his maternal grandmother, Irene. And from a young age, Sowell was witness to abuse. So his nieces, Ramona and her twin, Leona, said that a family friend would force them to strip butt naked 
and electrical extension cords were used to bind and whip them. Holy shit. Yeah. And Anthony was actually not beaten. Like, he wasn't part of that, but he was witness to it, which is also traumatic, obviously, that you would witness your nieces, you know, suffering through this. So although neighbor Katie Tab would say he was the kindest child you wanted to deal with, he was always very respectable, his family kind of had a different story. They remembered him being conniving from a young age. He would, like, drink his grandma's Pepsi, like, when he was really little, just, which I was like, okay, well. It's like, okay, I did that, but. It's yeah. not like her malt liquor or, like, vodka, right. <laughs> like, you know, some. <laughs> Maybe he was just, like, a prankster or, like, goofy. I or... guess. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Maybe he just kind of got on people's nerves or, like, push buttons, yeah. <laughs> he would okay. drink his grandmother's Pepsi, he would start fights, and then he would blame Leona, his niece, and then she would get punished. So, oh. I mean, that much, that that's more on the level that I was thinking of, like. Got it not being a great uh, kid. He yeah. would, you know, get his nieces in trouble and just let them be punished for things that he did. So this side of him didn't really translate at school. So a staff member of his school, Kirk Junior High, would later remember Anthony was shy and skinny. He was a little quiet and never wanted to start a conversation. If you said hi, he would say hi. If you asked a question, he would answer it. He was friendly, sort of, in that he would smile whenever I looked in his direction. Um, He wasn't known to be a ladies' man. This is from the school's recollection. He'd often become the target of constant teasing about his lack of sexual experience. He was basically bullied for being, like, not cool, not, you know, uh, a ladies' man. Yeah. It's just so weird to me, but okay. So this was the narrative at school that he was kind of a nerd, kind of shy, um, not cool or anything. But at home... There was a different story. So according to Leona, Sowell would regularly take her upstairs to a bedroom in the house when they were preteens and would rape her. Mm. She said it was happening almost every day. And she tried to report the rapes to authorities, but no one believed her. Oh, my God. Okay. And here we begin on this lovely journey of infuriating lack of reaction, lack of response to, you know, reports of these crimes. So this is the beginning of it all. Uh, She would try to report the rapes to authorities. No one believed her. On January 24th, 1978, uh, Sowell was 19 and he reported for Marine Boot Camp at Paris Island, South Carolina. So there were two reasons that we kind of speculate as to why he left and went to join the Marines. A, he didn't have enough credits to graduate from high school. And B, he had apparently gotten a fellow high school student pregnant and wanted nothing to do with it. So he peaced out. Jeez, okay. So uh, after boot camp, uh, Sowell reported for basic training. And among kind of the courses or like the the training he went through, uh, he took courses such as basic chokes and basic weapons of opportunity. Perfect. Unfortunately, as you can probably guess, this becomes relevant later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Sowell spent another month there learning electrical wiring, okay. and he was then assigned to the Marine Corps as an electrician. Uh-huh. So in 1980, at age 22, Sowell was sent to Okinawa, Japan, and upon returning, he actually married a fellow Marine, Kim Yvette Lawson, and this was in 1981. And uh, he stayed in the Marines for about four more years before he left. And although the Marines said he went AWOL at like one point for two months, so that was obviously not cool, not something you're supposed to do. And although they said he had gone AWOL for two months at one point, 
Sergeant Sowell departed with a mountain of praise, including a Rifle Sharpshooter Award, Good Conduct Medal, a Certificate of Commendation, and two Letters of Appreciation. Wow. So. Okay. At this point, I'm fascinated because I'm like, there are like six different versions that we're getting of this guy from different yeah, viewpoints. Yeah, seem- I was going to say, it seems like we're not getting a, f- I mean, we're getting a full story, but I don't know what. what- it doesn't like fit. Yeah. What's the right story or what's yeah, like the. Yeah. What's the story that I should trust the most? Like, Yeah, it, it feels conflicting. Like, all of it doesn't mm, add up right. somehow. Yeah. Right. No, that's how I felt as well. Um, so he left the Marines with all this praise. And strangely, that same year, Kim, pretty much right after he left the Marines, divorced him. So Kim later reflected that during their time in the Marines, Sowell was drinking excessively. And Kim said she had married him to help him. Her daughter later explained that her mother didn't want him to get a dishonorable discharge. She was trying to get him through the Marine Corps, and that's why she divorced him the day he got out. Oh, okay. So interesting. I don't, I mean, everyone has, I guess, reasons for what they do, but um, yeah, clearly there was a lot going on behind the scenes during their marriage. I, I mean, to the second he like takes off the uniform for the last time, you're like, here are your divorce papers. I'm fucking over it's it. It's not working anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I'm over it. I tried. Um, and you know, the, the cliche of you can't change somebody, Mm -hmm. you can't fix somebody. It's just like extra, you know, obvious here, I guess. Yeah. So in 1985, he had returned home to Cleveland, but the city was pretty much changed. It was changed pretty radically from what it had been seven years before when he had last lived there. So in 1985, when he was back, a quarter of the population of East Cleveland now lived below poverty level, and 90% of the population were black, which plays again into the treatment of this case and the handling by police. Mm -hmm. And so it was also a time, like I said, when crack cocaine had taken kind of hold of the area. Crack was sort of a new thing on the scene, new smokable, potent form of cocaine. And with its introduction, crime rates rose drastically. There was now also a new subset of folks with addictions, um, which were sex workers who worked in exchange for crack cocaine. Mm. And that was something that hadn't – it was like a new phenomenon that that subset kind of hadn't existed before. Right. So this is like a whole new angle to addiction, to crime, to, you know, having to live on the streets, all that that stuff. So kind of adds a picture or more detail to the picture. Totally. So into this new kind of – changed East Cleveland, arrived 25-year-old Sowell, who had just served a seven-year military regimen, divorced after four years from a wife who had worried about his boozing, and a man who, according to documents, court documents, was accused of ducking his responsibilities as the father of a now seven-year-old from the high school pregnancy he had co-created. Got it. Okay. (laughs) So that, basically, that child ended up being born, and he was accused of abandoning his responsibilities in taking care of the child sure so so well went back to his heavy drinking he would start drinking first thing in the morning and he became increasingly aggressive when he drank and that surfaced uh, in 1988 when police arrested so well on a charge of domestic violence against a woman whose name we actually don't know he served eight days in jail and as this was happening, meanwhile, in the background, terror was taking over East Cleveland. So in May of 1988, the body of 36-year-old Rosalind Garner was found in her home on Hayden Avenue, and she had been strangled. 
Carmela Karen Prater, age 27, was found in an abandoned home on First Avenue on February 27, 1989, so the year after, and the cause of her death is unknown. And then only a month later, on March 28, the body of another woman named Mary Thomas, 27, was found near an abandoned building, also on First Avenue, and she had been strangled with a red ribbon. So Jesus. These all took place in less than a year. These three right in the same neighborhood, same area. And uh, I want to be clear here that has never been definitively, these murders have never been definitively linked to Sowell. But the MO kind of signifies that they could have been. It's implied. Uh, it's, it's suggested. Yeah, it's definitely some people, yeah, assume it was him, but there's definitely no outright proof. However, even if it wasn't him, it kind of gives you another insight into, like, the tension and the terror that was happening in the neighborhood. Even if sure. these specific crimes weren't done by him, this was still happening in the neighborhood where he was living and operating. Got so it. just a bad time. Just a bad time. Not good. Tough times. Tough times. Um, so while all of these murders were going on, uh, and even though we don't necessarily know whether they had been committed by Sowell... Uh, he was definitely guilty of another crime by this point in that he had raped a 21-year-old woman who was three months pregnant. She told her story to authorities four months after Mary Thomas's body was discovered. So basically, he was directly linked to this crime, and this was happening right in the midst of these other crimes. So just to give you an idea of, like, why some people believe that he was involved in the other three as well. Okay. So she told her story, and this is what she told police. On July 22nd, 1989... Sowell met her at a motel and told her that her boyfriend was waiting for her at Sowell's house about 500 yards away. So she went with him, entered the house, and he threw her on his bed, choked her, and raped her repeatedly. Probably goes without saying, but her boyfriend was not at Sowell's house. It was obviously mm. his ruse, his lie to get her into his home. And when she tried to leave, Sowell bound her hands with a necktie, cinched a belt around her feet, and stuffed a rag in her mouth. <sighs> And thankfully, when Sowell, who had been drinking, fell asleep, she was able to wriggle free and escape out of a window. Jeez. Thank God. So, still. yeah, I know. And it's, like, horrible because you in the documentaries, you see people retelling, like, the trauma of what happened. And then there are so many people who didn't make it. It's just, it's really sick. That's awful. Um, so a grand jury indicted Sowell for this case, but he didn't show up for his court date. So on December 8th, the court issued an arrest warrant, but he was nowhere to be found. Then seven months later and only four miles away, another woman came forward saying Sowell raped her too. So at 1 a.m. on June 24th, 1990, the 31-year-old woman told police she went to a house in Cleveland, uh, in East Cleveland. She sat, behind, she sat beside Sowell on a love seat and they started drinking, hanging out. Sowell then got up, came up behind her and started choking her. Mm spewing a stream of obscene descriptions of sex acts, how and where he would violate her, oh and God. announcing that she was his bitch and she had better learn to like it. Oh, my God. It gets worse here. Uh, obviously, of course, it always does. He dragged her upstairs by the neck. Uh, he raped her orally, vaginally, and anally. And even after the woman told him she was five months pregnant uh, and begged him to stop, he instead forced her to say, yes, sir, I like it. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so terrible. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's an extra violating, gruesome retelling today. Wow. Fuck that guy. Oh, my God. <sighs> yeah. And it's one of those things where, 
you know, I don't like to repeat it or say it, but this was her testimony and the story that she want wants to tell on the documentaries in court. Um, and so it's sort of like, you know, this is a story she wants told. And yeah, no, I feel like that's a small thing I can do is at least tell it how she wants it to be told. I get it. Um, but so I mean, wow, just... it's it's really horrific and it's tough to say and think about. So I apologize if I'm ruining everyone's day because uh, I'm sure I am. So <laughs> I'm so if, you, anyway. if, if she were to ever hear this, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Yeah, it's uh, it's really rough to watch them retell the stories in in court and on the, in the interviews it's very um Ooh. sobering and and dark yeah. so so well uh you know after all this he went to sleep and the woman was able to leave and when she returned with police at 8 a.m he was still sleeping the police arrested him but charges were never filed because they couldn't find the woman to testify and this seems to become a pattern of letting Sowell go because women were either too traumatized or terrified to testify or they were too scared to speak to police or uh, even though the evidence was right there in front of them, uh, the the witness was too scared to say anything and so he was let go over and over again, Mm -hmm. which is just so infuriating. Uh, So the police finally, even though um, they weren't able to get or they didn't get him on this charge, they had finally found him because he had gone missing when they originally, when the grand jury indicted him for that rape. So they finally had him for that. And Sowell was in jail awaiting trial on those charges. And he did eventually plead guilty to attempted rape, okay. which like not even bare minimum. And on September 12th, 1990, a judge sentenced him to 15 years in prison. And he actually remained in prison for uh, 15 years. And then in 2005, he was released. He was supposed to be clean and sober. A psychological evaluation deemed him unlikely to rape again. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think we can see where this is going. But he had to register as a sex offender and report to the Cuyahoga County, Cuyahoga County Sheriff's Office once a year. But not shockingly at all, he did not leave prison a changed man. He pretty much immediately began targeting sex workers. Mm. So, according to four women suffering from drug addictions who had encounters with Sowell, he would offer women malt liquor, companionship, and shelter from the dangers of the the streets on Cleveland's east side. So, he basically took vulnerable people and offered them help and care, you know, and took advantage of that, basically. Sorry, I'm just, like, so fucking bummed out. (laughs) I can't expect you to say anything, you know, it's like... I'm just waiting for say? the next horrible thing to come out of your mouth, Christine. Yeah, it'll keep happening. It'll keep coming. Jesus. Don't, okay. I'm sorry. No, I'm no. Glad you, it's your job. Glad you know. I'm glad you know what's what's coming here. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> just worse and worse and worse until the end. Great. Um. So let's see. He would offer them companionship, shelter, and then if he ever felt – so he was very kind to them until – if he ever felt betrayed by anyone he was trying to help, he would begin terrorizing, attacking, or raping them. Oh, my God. Two women told police he would turn on them as quickly as he had befriended them. So, like, one wrong move and he would find an excuse to violate you or hurt you in some way. Jesus. Yeah. So, out of prison, Sowell rented out space in the home of his uh, stepmother, his late father's widow, who was his stepmom. He started dating women who lived or hung out in the neighborhood, one of whom was Tanya Doss, who lived across the street from him. 
And at this time, Tanya Doss said he did not use crack cocaine, but she and Tone, she called Anthony Tone, drank beer, played chess, barbecued. He told Doss he had been in prison, but that he had served a crime committed by someone else. So she was under the impression that, like, he had been falsely accused and... Mm. He actually wasn't a criminal, which obviously is the farthest thing from the truth. He, uh, Doss, Tanya Doss would later say he seemed like a regular human being. So it really does seem like he's able to kind of dupe people right. throughout all of this, which is like I mean, extra scary. He seems very, uh, he's kind of got that weird killer charming thing. Charm? Yeah. Yeah, like he's able to swindle you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like make you feel comfortable with him. Mm-hmm. It just, just always adds like such an element of creepiness. It's just the the ability to so easily manipulate another person is mm-hmm. really disturbing. And it makes it extra disgusting when it's like people who are suffering from drug addictions or poverty or people who need help. Yeah, people who are already going through like this is the last thing they fucking need. Yes. <laughs> They're like so vulnerable and you take advantage of that. It's just extra gross. Mm. So, um, anyway, she was saying, I thought he was just a normal guy. I never knew all of this had been going on. And it was around this time that Sowell began dating a woman named Lori Frazier. So, interestingly enough, Lori was actually the niece of Cleveland's mayor, Frank Jackson. Huh. So, interesting. he climbed his way to, I don't know, local... Local politics? politics? <laughs> Great. Yeah, great. So he and Lori dated until around 2007, 2008. And Lori Frazier even remembered later, he took good care of me, good care of me. So according to Tanya Doss, Frazier and Sowell lived together in what looked like a normal, quote unquote, normal, you know, she already said he seemed like a regular guy, monogamous relationship. Uh, It seemed as if Frazier actually might have been leading him down a life of more stability. He got a job uh, as a rubber molder at a place called Custom Rubber Corp. Interesting. And yeah, and you don't think of that as like a, I don't know, a thing, but I guess someone has to mold the rubber. Oh, well, that's like, that was the the room I always wanted to work in at ISS. I've always, I always, interesting. they would call it the rubber room. I was like, oh, damn, I always wanted to work in the rubber room. Isn't rubber room also like a what you say about an insane asylum or whatever those old timey? Oh, I don't know. I never. I only knew it as like the room where you make rubber. <laughs> so let me see. I just want to make sure I got that right. I would have thought uh, it would be like a like a like a a leather sex dungeon. Well, I guess <laughs> I don't know why because rubber and leather are not the same. Oh, here thing. we go. Yeah, ru- uh, rubber room, informal, a room padded with foam rubber for the confinement of a violent, mentally ill person. Oh, that's what they yikes. used to. Never mind. Yeah, that's what they used to call in the old timey, quote unquote, like um, insane asylums where they had the white room, uh, padded rooms. Were called I had a no rooms. idea. I really just thought it was because we made fucking rubber. I, <laughs> I'm so stupid. Uh, no, I mean it's. I think it's like a. I don't think it's like an official term or anything, but... Well, hopefully that's not uh, offensive to anybody. I really just thought like, oh, the room where we make rubber, obviously it'd be called the rubber room. So... Um, <laughs> I mean, it makes some sense. <laughs> but no, it's... it's I've, it, I think that's that's like the only redeem, redeeming quality thus far about him is that I always wanted to be a rubber molder when I worked at ISS, so... Like, aw. And that's the last good thing I'll say about him, How I think. sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he worked at this rubber company, Molding Rubber, and the president, Charlie Braun, later recalled that he was a very good employee. So again, just like a conflicting outlook from a different person in his life. Right. 
So his girlfriend, Lori Frazier, uh, everything to her seemed pretty positive until 2007 when his personal and work lives started to kind of unravel and simultaneously women on or near Imperial Avenue where he lived began to go missing. This all started with Crystal Dozier. Uh, She was a 35-year-old mother of seven who went missing on May 17, 2007. In July 2007, after Sowell didn't show up for work two days in a row, he was fired by Custom Rubber Products Corp. Mm. And suddenly he didn't have a steady job, so his means of self-support drastically changed. He began collecting and selling scrap metal and collecting unemployment benefits. And once those checks started rolling in, he was using them to buy crack cocaine. And that is where his uh, addiction began. So he had not been using crack cocaine until now. Got it. Okay. So it was also around this time that Sowell's next door neighbor, Councilman Zach Reed. I'm like, I don't know where all these council people and politicians are suddenly like welcoming him with warm arms, like open (laughs) arms. It's weird. Yeah. So it's just strange how he's suddenly surrounded by all these like politicians. But so. Local councilman Zach Reed, uh, his next-door neighbor, first complained right around this time about a horrible odor that permeated the street uh, of Imperial Avenue. Okay, well, I I think I could bet money on what that smell is. It was the rubber room. No, it was not the rubber room. (laughs) Uh, I wish it was, but it's not. So at first, nobody thought much of it, and uh, because it was a lower economic area and complaints simply were not given the attention they deserved there it just kind of largely went ignored Mm. so no matter how many times people would complain people dismissed it you know authorities dismissed it and it just kind of became a nuisance that people just had to deal with so in late 07 early 2008 Sowell ended a nearly three-year relationship with Lori Frazier and in retrospect Lori claims to have smelled the stench of what she thought she kind of realized later, like, I think that was a smell of decaying bodies. That was like her gut instinct. Yeah, Lori. But I think so. <laughs> Lori, I think you're onto something. Yeah. But Sowell told her, no, that's just the smell coming from my stepmother. <gasps> oh, my God. She smelled like a dead fucking body. That I, re- I literally wrote in my notes. It gives new meaning <laughs> to that phrase. She smelled, don't worry, my stepmother, just poor stepmother, leave her out of this. She still smells like a dead fucking body. Can you imagine hearing that in hindsight and being like, what the fuck did I do? Like, what? Yeah. How, how did I get- I let you live in my house. <laughs> how did I get dragged into this? What is going on? It's awful. And so that's what he, like, insisted was happening. And when Lori moved out, she dismissed it basically as coming from uh, the neighboring sausage shop. There was a place called Ray's Sausage Shop next door. Ugh. And I'm thinking, shouldn't he just have used that as an excuse? It's a better yeah. excuse than it's my stepmom. Like to say, I live next door to a literal sausage shop. Like to say, say I'm, that. I'm, I live next to a place that probably has some rotten meat in their dumpster Dead or something. <laughs> like, and not like, oh, my stepmom smells like the sausage factory after a bad <laughs> batch. <gasps> yeah it's so just extra rude like it's so not important but like so rude um, <laughs> it is so rude so yeah so Lori was like yeah he was telling me all these things and i just kind of dismissed it but uh as we probably know Lori's first instinct had actually been correct mm-hmm. so it would not come as a surprise to any of us that more women around this time went missing mm. So Tashana Culver was last seen in June of 2008. She was 33 years old and she had drifted in and out of of her family's life so often that it had gotten to the point where they stopped reporting her missing, which is just extra sad because 
at a certain point, they just assumed she would come back, and she never did. So sad. Uh, it is. It's really, really, really sad. And then there was LaShonda Long, who was last seen August 08. She was 17. And at the age of 17, she had three kids, but was deemed unfit to raise them. And she, at 17, was the youngest of all of Sowell's victims. Jesus. Yikes. Okay. Then there was Michelle Mason, who was last seen uh, in October of 08. Before she went missing, the 45-year-old had experienced a pretty, like, triumphant kind of comeback period in her life. Mm. She had kicked her heroin and crack addictions. She was living independently. She hadn't been arrested in years. Like, she was very proud of having turned her life around. And um, then she, you know, became it's a awful. victim of Sowell's. That's so sad. It's all very, very, very yeah, tragic. None of it's happy, but I mean, just no. like, <laughs> I have nothing else to say. I like, I'm just like, yikes every time. Just It's just yikes, TM, TM, the entire story. Yes. Um, and then there was Tonya Carmichael, who's 53 and was last seen November 10th, 08. Uh, and although these women going missing weren't linked to Sowell yet. There were other cases at the time that were clearly linked to him, but how fun were being fully dismissed by police. Right. So here's an example. On December 8th, 2008, a bleeding woman literally runs up to a police car and tells police that Anthony Sowell asked her if she wanted to have a beer with him. And when she said no, he punched her, choked her, and tried to rip off her clothes. Oh, my God. Police went to Sowell's home, arrested him, However, police later said no charges were filed because the woman didn't want to talk to detectives. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm like, she's covered in blood. She already told you what happened. I understand, like, it would be helpful to have somebody re, like, you know, recount things. But, like, this person has been traumatized, probably doesn't have a great experience with police for obvious reasons. And now you're demanding she, like, walk you through this all over again. It's, it's just infuriating how often this guy just gets off the hook because... Yeah. Because of situations like this. Yeah. So, however, while these women were being attacked and uh, some obviously murdered tragically, in the meantime, Soel had joined an online dating service. And uh, his biography on the website revealed, like his profile, revealed that he was a master looking for a submissive person to train, which, like, that's not what you're doing. <laughs> no. Like, that's not what this is. Like, Especially, that is not. Like, the other that one really 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 extra awful one earlier when he like went up behind someone and said like like was yeah. really demeaning to her and like yeah that was not a consensual experience no at all. no 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 you're yeah. not like looking- he's making it come off as like a bdsm like relate like partnership and it's like that's not what yeah, any of this has been really fucking insulting to the bdsm community. yeah it is i mean it is i i can't imagine like the only time you're ever like anyone's ever hearing about this kind of stuff is just through like serial killers i mean anyways just an extra kick in the crotch to them but okay so he's full-blown lying but yeah he's on. making up some uh excuse as to what he's doing did he and do we know if he legitimately thought that he was doing that or was, no i don't think so i think okay. he just was trying to find a way to like get people to come over he okay. was always like making up lies about like hey i have beer hey i have shelter for you hey i have Ugh. i don't know yeah okay i just you know just i can't to say con- for sure just wanted to confirm but- that he what knew what he was up to but also i'm assuming he knew what he was up to master manipulator uh, so yeah so meanwhile his house was the site of regular neighborly cookouts neighbors would come to play chess and drink together and hang out and during these party months two women came forward saying they had gone to his place for a good time but then things turned violent one of the women was tanya Doss, his across mm. the street neighbor who he had dated for a while 
And she would later say in interviews and to police that Sowell attacked her on April 21st of 09, saying he slapped her, choked her, and forced her to strip naked after he ran out of crack. She curled up on a bed, and eventually he left her alone, and she was able to get away. And it was around this time that Sowell also started using alcohol and drugs to lure women with criminal pasts to his house. So typically these encounters began unthreateningly, but they would turn violent once the beer and drugs ran out, or if they asked him any question that he thought was he didn't like or you know I mean, anything anything, anything, found, anything anything you're not safe right like there's nothing you're not doing anything wrong he's just picking and choosing he, some he reason could very to... well have just been like i don't like your fucking face and just exactly done something. exactly yeah yeah so he was just kind of finding any excuse to you know go off the rails uh on september 22nd of 09 so well persuades a woman named latundra billups to come over but he becomes angry he hits her chokes her and rapes her as she passes out Fortunately, she is able to get away after promising him $50. She said, I'm going to go get $50. I'll bring it to you, and I won't tell police about the incident. Of course, he lets her go, and she goes to police to tell her about, tell them about the incident. Okay, good. Yeah. However, uh, progress with the case was slow because, according to police, the victim was difficult to reach. Oh, my God. I don't even Are know what you... that means. What? Okay. Yeah. Next. It just is so easily – all of these are so easily dismissed, and this is – I mean, how many times has somebody come up to police and said, this guy has raped me? And it's like, well, I wonder. let him go home again. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's infuriating. Mm. Um, during this time, however, on October 20th, 09, an ambulance is sent to Sowell's house after neighbors called 911 to report a naked woman falling from a second story window. Hmm. Sowell tells rescue workers he and the woman had been doing drugs and that she accidentally fell out of the window. But EMS takes the woman to the hospital and calls police who go to his home. But Sowell has fled. He is not there. Convenient. Very convenient. Police then go to the hospital uh, where the woman refuses to talk to investigators. And then nine days later, October 29th, police finally get a warrant. They enter Sowell's house. And this is when all of this comes full circle to the beginning of these notes. As we had already covered in 07, one woman had gone missing. In 08, four women had disappeared. And then throughout 09, Sowell had murdered another six women. So all of this kind of culminates in there, you know, finally making it into his home and seeing the carnage and everything that he's done. Uh, Some of the women that he had murdered, the six women that he had murdered throughout 2009, six in one year, are... As follows. Kim Y. Smith was last seen January 17th of 09. She never married. She was actually the only one of his 11 victims who didn't have children. And friends described her as the artsy type. Then there was Nancy Cobbs, 44, who was last seen on April 24th, 09. Before she developed an addiction to drugs, she had been an active mother of three children. Amy Hunter was last seen in spring of 09. And in her final years, according to her family, she had felt overcome by life's troubles and had sort of retreated into a a house near where Sowell lived. Then there was Janice Webb, who was last seen in in June of 09. And before 48-year-old Janice had developed her uh, crack cocaine addiction, she was known as the family jokester. She loved to pull pranks and she loved being with family. And then there was Talisha Fortson, who was last seen on June 3rd of 09. Her biological mother struggled with a drug addiction and her father suffered from alcoholism, according to friends. And uh, she had already kind of had a tough life and was a mother of three and was found dead at only 31 years old. 
And finally, uh, there was Diane Turner, who was last heard from in September of 2009. She was 38, and she was the last of the victims to go missing, and her remains lingered unidentified in the Cuyahoga County Coroner's Office the longest. Uh, it took more than a month to confirm her identity because she had been so removed from her family. Like, her connections with her family were pretty tattered, and so it took them a while to find someone to identify the body. So all of these women's bodies... All of the above were found that one day in Anthony Sowell's house, either in the house or buried nearby in the backyard in shallow graves. And just as a refresher, that means they found 11 bodies on his property that day. And this is in addition to all of the women who had escaped and, you know, said they had been raped and attacked. So the 11 were just the ones that he had murdered and... My God. That, you know, isn't even part of the bigger... (laughs) Or that's only a part of the bigger count of his crimes. So two days later, October 31st, he they finally found and arrested Sowell. He was charged with 85 counts of murder, rape, and kidnapping. Wow. I know. It's like when you hear it all kind of together, like 11 bodies. And yeah. I mean, it's just outrageous. Oh, my God. Uh, he pleaded. First, he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. But then he later changed his plea to simply not guilty. Okay. On July 22nd of 2011, he was convicted on all but two counts against him, including the murders of the 11 women whose bodies were found in his house. And on August 10th, jurors recommended the death penalty. And on August 12th, the judge upheld this recommendation for the death penalty. Wow. However, so he had served 10 years until last month, February of 2021, when he died of an undisclosed terminal illness. Okay. So as he was on death row... He died. Uh, he served 10 years and he died last month. So it's oh, kind of wow. coming back into the news a little bit um, because of his death. Got it. Okay. Wow. But that is the story. It is heinous, horrendous. There are a couple documentaries uh, if you're interested. There is the one I mentioned, uh, the Vice documentary. Um, and it, it, that one's good because, I mean, I really like that one because the guy who covers it talks about how he grew up in Cleveland. He's black. His parents were police officers during this time. And so he has a very like unique connection to the area, to the families, the time, the time, the families that, um, even the police investigation, because he, you know, has family in the force. So it's very interesting, like how he gets to approach it from such a personal standpoint. Um, so I really like that it's on YouTube. It's called The Cleveland Strangler. I was going to say, I really, I always love a good Vice documentary. They do them so well. I know, they do. And, like, I know they get a bad rap, and sometimes I, like, it's just, like, an eye roll because they're, like, we're so edgy. Yeah. Um, But I think, like, this, they do have a, a great team of, you know, editors and researchers, and this was definitely really well done. And so I definitely recommend. And, you know, he talks one-on-one a lot with the kids and parents and friends of the victims, which is really cool to see, like, just like to humanize them a bit, you know, because obviously we see victims like who are sex workers who have drug addictions and oftentimes by the media, they get kind of lumped into just kind of a dismissed yeah. group who aren't taken as seriously. But uh, it's it's cool to be able to see, you know, their backgrounds, their families and learn more about them. So there's that. And there's also one called Unseen. So definitely if you want to learn more, check it out. Wow. That was a really heavy one, but it's a lot. Uh, yeah, my bad. <laughs> no, I mean needed to be told, but wow, that was that was a tall order. Um, yeah, that was a roughie. Uh, that was you know one of the worst serial killers in Cleveland history. Uh, well, 
I'm glad I didn't tell that at our Cleveland show. Can you imagine? And I told the torso killer. And like, obviously that was heinous, but like. Yeah. It's, thank God I didn't do this one. <laughs> thank God when, you know, we pick up live shows again, we are not trying to tell horrific stories yes. on stage and then expect positive Cheers. reactions. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. What yeah. a time exactly. that was. Oh, Whew. my gosh. Anyway, I don't know. I I don't know. So that's that. That's on that. that. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thank you. And you can check out all of our stuff at and that's why drink.com. You can follow our socials. Our it's ATWWD podcast. Please follow our Patreon. Um, always good stuff there. And as of tomorrow, Christina and I are opening many, many, many uh <gasps> fan mail packages and oh i'm so excited we're finally getting to them over zoom so we're uh just uh, just a note that we are those will be up soon on patreon so yes and uh eva and jess have come up with some really fun stuff that they do i mean there's obviously the patreon newsletter uh which is really fun and has some like fun perks and stuff and then on patreon as well we're doing uh on wednesdays we're doing like alternate titles to episodes that eva came up with but that didn't get picked um and people can like vote on their favorites or add their own titles they come up with which i always have a really fun time reading and then uh every saturday now em and i are giving three clues about the next day's topic to see if anyone can guess kind of what we're covering so a lot of fun stuff sneak peek saturdays as i'm sneak peek i'm trying to coin it but uh, I think that's I think that's what it's called. So good job. Thank you. Well, do you want to shout out those um, places people can donate again? Oh, absolutely. Great idea. And then we will also put um, put those in the show notes as well. Oops. Sorry. One sorry. Second. I know you probably already closed out of your notes, but. I don't know why. I never do that. And today I think I was just like overwhelmed and I just hit like quit. <laughs> like, quit pages. Please quit. escape. Please, I must. <laughs> escape. <laughs> escape, escape, escape. Uh, so yes, I will definitely, uh, oh wait, this is not, this is my Beach to Sandy notes. It says bagel shop. So I was like, We what? get it. Christine also has a show called Beach to Sandy. Go listen to it. <laughs> and none of them are well uh, organized or, you know, professionally <laughs> monitored or taken care of. Okay. So here we go. Here are a couple sources um, in my long rant. So there is the Asians Americans Advancing Justice Asian Americans Advancing Justice Fund in Atlanta that has a fund dedicated to helping people in the Atlanta area, Asian Americans in the Atlantic area, as well as the Community Action Fund, which is set up by Hate is a Virus. Um, And you can donate to both of those. They're still trying to reach their goal. So definitely worth checking out. There are also several GoFundMes. I think GoFundMe actually created their own fund called like Stop Asian Hate. That uh, is definitely worth checking out. And then a website that I really recommend and that I've bookmarked myself is called StopAAPIHate.com. And there you can not only learn more about the movement, but also report any hate incidents you might witness or, um, you know, see in your day-to-day life that are that need to be spoken up about. So we'll put that in the show notes. But otherwise, um, thanks for, you know, listening and checking that out. And Let's see. Let's do what we can do for the world because it needs some help. A lot of help. All right, everyone. And now I'm hitting escape. And that's (laughs) why we escape. I was trying to escape the show. It wouldn't let me out. (laughs) Drink. Feel like you got enough to do already? I do. That's why I use ship same day delivery to keep up with my busy life. They know the snacks I like down to the extra creamy in my peanut butter. I can get deliveries at home, on set, or even when I'm away on vacay. And my personal shopper, Amber, she's got my back. 
As in, she asked them to check the back if it's not on the shelf. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com slash high.